passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And Ronda Rousey is still helpless. She's still defenseless. She's been beaten up by Charlotte. And now Charlotte has a steel chair. Oh, and my she's God. Oh, no. Injury. Ronda Rousey. Enough is enough. Career. Enough is enough, Charlotte. I don't understand it. There can't be an explanation that can... Welcome, everybody, to the Survivor Series Post Show. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. Here we are, Post Office West, second night in a row, big show, got the Survivor Series to talk about, and Wei, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. It's very nice to be here. This the seat feels very kind of warm and sad in here this weekend. We've 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 used this area a lot actually. We've had a lot of guests this week. Yeah, we had Braden and Davey. We had Martin Bushby. Mm-hmm. Big popular spot here in Toronto. This is the hangout. This yes. is the place to go to. So wait, you showed up at my place and you said, <laughs> "Okay, see you in a few hours." It is the saddest thing. And that was it. We didn't talk at all during this show. There was no. <laughs> Hey, how are you? Hey, what's up? Can I get you anything to drink? Nothing. There was a there was a wall between us. The show is better for, it for is it, way better, right? Yeah, like if br- you and I had talked about everything that we thought, if we sat together and watched all all everything that took place today, there's a lot to talk about on on tonight's show. Lots. And if you and I had exhausted that conversation, we'd have to replicate that here, and it wouldn't be any good. See, I've talked in the past about my uh, my natural state of being an introvert, and. You're definitely encouraging it further and further uh, with this new setup, because then on Saturday, I get invited to go watch a takeover with Braden and Davey, and I was like, no, I think we should watch it separately. I think it will be, why are we going to watch it all together, and then we're going to just... yeah, I was I've, just... I've come to realize those two are certainly the more the more sociable arm of uh, of post wrestling compared to you and I. Like everybody's hanging out. With those those guys, guys were finishing up the takeover show to then go out on yeah. Saturday night. Martin's hanging out with those guys. They were having a big party tonight. Scrump was in town. <laughs> yeah, big shout out to Scrump. They're who having hooked us up with some hoodies. Oh, thank you so much, Scrump. Yeah, they're having the big hangout, and we're just like we're alone in a basement. Yes, I can only <laughs> imagine what that that scene looks like right now. Uh. Maybe we'll drop by afterwards. Uh, probably not, probably but maybe not. maybe we can only. <laughs> We're uh, not invited. It's a Sunday night too. I mean, <laughs> it's uh, we, we might be imposing. Yeah, but lots to go through. Uh, quickly, just uh, rewinding this past weekend. Uh, I'm only going to require a yes or no answer from you mm-hmm. because if the answer is yes, we'll go into further detail on the double shot. Have you seen David Arquette versus Nick Gage? The answer is yes. 
Tune into the double shot this Tuesday night. Um, God. I don't even know how much time I'm going to spend on the entire card. There's actually a lot we can talk about mm. on the double shot this week. I want to talk about the Dean Ambrose Chronicle special, and I'm certain this AJ Styles feature will be noteworthy as well. But we're definitely going to tackle LA Confidential, specifically the main event that is... Uh, it was certainly the most talked about match of the weekend, even getting onto TMZ where they interviewed David Arquette, who showed up at TakeOver. He was in the crowd. And when they tweeted out the TMZ story, they were describing it as uh, David Arquette talking about his NXT death match he had. NXT death His match. NXT wow. death match. Well, I'm sure, uh, you know, free publicity is good for uh, NXT, but I, don't, I wonder how Triple H feels about being associated with David Arquette death matches. But wow. Interesting. So we'll talk about that more. Have you seen Takeover? Uh, I have started to watch it. Uh, I've gotten. I started. I watched the uh, first two matches. The first one really wasn't much of a match, but I watched the Kyrie Saint Shayna Baszler match, and I watched the War Games match, both of which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if you finish that up, maybe we'll get your thoughts sure. on Monday. There is no shortage uh, of stuff to discuss on tonight's Survivor Series show. Their second of four straight nights at the Staples Center, and. You know, maybe we can look at this after SmackDown, and I'd love to hear from people that were going to the shows of how this, we're now, you know, several years into this experiment of doing four nights in one city. Mm -hmm. And if that's too much, like it seems that raw tickets are readily available, SmackDown very available. Uh, I don't know that that you necessarily are always going to be able to strike a market that's going to have a demand, especially for that fourth night. I I think Raw's a stretch for a lot. If you go to TakeOver and Survivor Series... I'm done. I don't know if I could do more than two straight nights live, but that's me. Mm. Yeah, there are things, though, like uh, Mania and Rumble, I feel, you know, are are slightly hotter events most of the time. How do those do typically in comparison for Raw and SmackDown? I mean, WrestleMania, you're obviously going to have so much more of a touring or traveling audience that Mm. I think there's still going to be some of that. However, it's it's not like it's building. It's it peaks Sunday night and. I would say even the Raw after WrestleMania is kind of going down a little bit in its luster. And mm-hmm. SmackDown, I don't sense anything special. Like, I think that's, okay, we've had our time there. We've probably been in the WrestleMania host city since Thursday at I, that point. But I imagine there are other advantages to doing this four-day stretch, you know? Like, it's it's a lot easier on your crew, probably, your production crew. You oh, know? I'm sure it is. Who probably has to work a lot harder for these pay-per-view nights and, you know, especially during a WrestleMania. Yeah, and... Yeah, and we'll look at it in 2020 when they're going to have to adjust all of that because they may have a live Friday, Friday night show to be doing. Mm-hmm. And what a huge brand that they're inheriting after tonight's show. I mean, this was <laughs> quite the, uh, hey, Fox, wow. look what you're getting. All right. so Can we fi- get that in advance, the yeah. uh, guaranteed money? Well, so the final tally, do we even want to just uh, talk about that now? So tonight, SmackDown won one match. That doesn't count. That's that's what they said. Yes, it, it, it did not te- count. They technically won. So the uh, a why why did SmackDown win the kickoff match? If the story you were telling was that they're going to run the table, why didn't SmackDown just win that match? Or you sorry, Raw win that match? It's just as weird know. asterisk. If you're not going to acknowledge it, just eliminate that and have Raw win. I wonder. I, I don't know. I wonder how much foresight went into uh, making that decision. Um, that maybe, doesn't maybe, require much. Maybe they want that asterisk to say, hey, it, was, it wasn't a complete sleep. Technically, <laughs> we won the kickoff match. What a silver lining. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, it, it, clearly by the end of this, you're going to have Raw basically brag about uh, uh, the clean sweep that they had tonight. Um, will they make mention of the kickoff match at all? I wonder. I wonder. And if they don't, I think that's a real uh, slap in the face to that entire tag team division, unfortunately. And yeah, so Raw runs the table. They won on the main show. It was 6 nothing Raw. Yeah, wow. So the first time ever, I would assume, since they've done one of these bragging rights type of type of things. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think anyone really has all that in uh, that much interest in the Raw versus SmackDown Survivor Wait Series. Wait a second, I beg to differ though. Like you watch tonight, there was clearly a SmackDown uh, favorite. Uh, you know, favoritism oh, at, from at the, the beginning audience. of the show, and that quickly ended. I mean, this was not a very pro SmackDown. I mean, I disagree. It lasted all the way until the, the Ronda match, and even the, th- was that the so much event. pro SmackDown, or it was just they had their favorites. I mean, I think I think their favorites being on SmackDown leads. I to think that coincided that, with some of that favorites, but I don't feel Miz was being cheered because he's on SmackDown. He was cheered because he's the Miz. No, but I thought I thought Shane was. I thought you know certain certain characters were. There is some investment. From My conclusion office. is at the end of this, I was amazed that I cared even less about these raw. Like it just it means nothing to me. I yeah. don't really care. Uh, and there's nothing at stake. And they just did a clean sweep of one brand. And I can't even say like I'm, you know, that I feel it. I don't think anyone cares. I don't think anyone cares. I thought nobody cared. I personally didn't think I cared. But then like. I, I mean, I do see the reaction to things like, you know, what happened on on uh, on Monday and in like reactions that we saw tonight. And it, it, it kind of makes me think twice. I mean, I I think going into this, like SmackDown does have sort of the story going forward of, of being treated sort of like the underdogs and the whole thing. I think in real life, they are the underdogs. They're the show that with, without the big name talent and your Rondas and your Brocks and your uh, Romans. You know, and, and often they just feel like the overlooked underdog of uh, Raw and SmackDown of the WWE. And the audience seemed to reflect that. I would only argue that the the biggest issue of doing something like this is that it is a message of that, that SmackDown is this secondary show to mm-hmm. us. And yeah. while maybe you and I, or at least I'll say for myself, like it doesn't make a big difference to me. I'm watching both these shows every week. But if my time is limited, yeah, I'm only going to watch the show that has the major stars attached to it. And yes, but like the, the average wrestling fan, I think gravitates towards the underdog and the average wrestling fan, or more I, people watch Raw than SmackDown. I guess sorry, and maybe not average wrestling fan, maybe you're a hardcore wrestling fan, the type of audience that I, the, the, the type of person that's at in this arena watching Survivor Series is probably watching both shows, right? Yeah, I can just see that SmackDown needs to be. An A show. Like these two shows are now such gigantic revenue earners for the company that mm-hmm. you need to be. I, I don't think it is any benefit to be doing something like this where you're trying to tell this story that like this show has all the inferior talent on it um, as you're next year going to be trying to convince everybody that to move over to Fox and watch this show on primetime network television. Now, does one night of booking, is that really going to drastically affect people's interest in this show? I really don't think it is. I I think it's like a one night you can look at this and be critical. 
but I don't but, think it has much like long-term you, but effect. But it's like you said, like wins and losses don't matter all that much, right? You know, it's no. more, it's more so which characters you identify with. And from my perspective, it feels like for the, for the most part tonight, all the characters that people identify with are SmackDown characters. Tonight's big reactions were character in general in the WWE. The big things are characters that they feel are uh are overlooked and mm-hmm. that they're going to get behind in mass like a Becky Lynch yeah. un- until they get there or they react big to uh, out of nowhere heel turns that they'll turn into babyface turns. Yeah, that's how they book. Like, that's what they that's react to. That's how they make superstars these days. I don't think that there's a large contingent that yeah. really has a vested interest in who wins and who loses. They right. want to see a great match. The winner, uh, you and I with guns to our heads could not go over the results of last year's Survivor Series and what the outcomes were. No, I, I couldn't tell you any of that. I, so I can't say tonight is a big deal because we're not going to remember it in a month. Well, I couldn't, but I could tell you that, you know, uh, Asuka has been booked to lose several significant bouts. I can tell you that Becky really hasn't received a push at all throughout most of her uh, the past year, except for the past several months. These are the things that I think... Mm-hmm the the audience is gravitating towards the fact that like you said they're recognizing that stars that they like are being overlooked maybe that's what they're, they're doing with smackdown in general I'm, overlooking the entire thing by giving them a complete you know dominating uh uh loss i'm long. i'm very interested to see how we look back five years from now ten years from now on the way that they believe they got daniel bryan over mm-hmm. and are going to extend that into Becky Lynch. That's what I thought tonight during Samoa Joe, that this is, we can afford to beat these people because that's it's going to, so crazy, it's man. going to conjure up this, this rebellion of fans. Yeah. That's going to just make a guy hotter. And I think that's a really dangerous way to book a lot of characters. It's fucked up. And, and you get this middle of the pact that are just completely written off by the audience. And it's, a reliance on older stars because people don't get over. And when someone does like a Daniel Bryan, it's the exception rather than the rule. No. Yeah. It, it almost feels like, you know, throughout, I think the past several years, there's been, uh, there's been, what you see on TV is not necessarily the story. What, what, what the real story is, is what's happening behind the scenes and who's getting pushed and who isn't getting pushed. And the audience, that's, that's the story that you see the audience reacting to. They are cheering the people that they feel are the ones that are overlooked and, and aren't getting the pushes. And they're booing the ones that are getting the pushes that they don't feel deserve it. And it's, and it's like the, the heels to the audience is not any of the performers. It's the company. Yeah. Like that's the overarching story that mm-hmm. this company is the one that have their favorites and they have their ones that they don't see. Because that's favorites. a story that's identifiable. I mean, it goes back to but McMahon. that's very weird that the company Wait. you're spending money on. But it goes back to McMahon versus Austin, and that was a time where they were deliberate with it and they showcased that particular relationship on TV. But why people gravitate towards it is because it's it's easily relatable. A lot of us have been in situations where we're at work and we're overlooked for promotions for a guy who we feel is less talented than we are. That's the story that I'm more interested in rather than, you know, I don't know, a man drops a car on another man or flips a car over and has to get revenge, you know? But I would say that story was very different of a guy that was being perceived as his character of having all of these obstacles thrown in his way that he triumphed over, that right. he always got the last laugh on Vince McMahon. Steve Austin was not a character that was outsmarted. Steve Austin was not a character that just 
lost clean all over the place and had the perception that they are booking him to lose it's it's different yes but but the rivalry against the the management and Vince McMahon I think has always existed yeah but now it's you're playing that story out by someone that's not being booked effectively yeah but look at Becky though they were they look at Brian I mean they will look at those examples and say that they were successful I think with Becky I think they caught on rather quick in the grand scheme of things I would say by you know the SummerSlam turn I don't think they necessarily anticipated that level of reaction for her and audience being behind her but I I would say that along the way they you could see them kind of not going so hard in the heel direction and now completely putting their hands up and have given up. And I think mm-hmm. it, it was not too late. And like the booking of evolution, yeah. I think that was a key that, okay, they clearly understand they have something with this woman. But now do you see them replicating that? What, what, what they now consider to be a formula for other talent, like an Asuka, like a Joe. Well, let's, uh, we're jumping all over the place, yeah. but wh- how did you read, like, what do you think the intent of the Charlotte attack on Ronda was what was the desired reaction they wanted? Because I can't say a hundred percent. I can't either. And that's that's really screwed up. It, because it's... in any other era, that is a clear cut heel action by Charlotte Flair, and yet yeah. she was treated like a baby face. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, I can't tell you if that was designed to be Charlotte coming out of it as this baby face and Ronda as a heel, or the complete opposite. I c- I could see either one being what they anticipated. And I think he'll turn, like, there's no solid read on them now. No, not at all. No, not at all. Especially after something like, you know, watching Becky, which I feel like they, was that was them trying to be as deliberate about a heel turn as they could have. Same with Daniel Bryan that we saw. And in the end, the audience is going to cheer who they want to cheer for. In this case, um, they want to, they wanted to cheer for Charlotte and they didn't want to cheer for Rhonda. And I think eventually they will run with that. Are they playing with those reactions, like anticipated reactions? Like tonight, did they anticipate the audience to boo Rhonda? I don't know. I really don't know. It's hard to say. It's I, really hard to say. I, I don't feel that they anticipated that being the reaction because it was so over the top from Charlotte. But the... T- but they should you, have known better. But did you see Rhonda's glance at the audience at, at the end as she was walking up the ramp? That <laughs> you, seemed awfully deliberate. Um, that that felt like a, I bleed, I bled for you. Look at the scars on my arm, and you treat me like this. That was that type of stare. Okay, but if every person on the roster, who would be thrown by an un, unforeseen reaction to that? Rhonda's going mm-hmm. into this. You're going to take this unbelievable beating. You're going to be this sympathetic figure. Mm-hmm. And we're asking you to to go above and beyond here because you're going to take a lot of damage in this angle, but it's going to make you so beloved. Yeah. And she goes through with it. They pull off this great match and she's booed. Mm-hmm. So? And I could, I could see Rhonda absolutely not being equipped to react to that. Or they could have told her, you might get cheered, you might get booed. I want you to react accordingly, depending on how the crowd tells you. Could be. And she's, listen, I always thought Ronda would be a heel at some point. Mm -hmm. I think she'd be a great heel. So if this was the turn, I just have a hard time imagining them laying that out and assuming the L.A. crowd, no less, would turn Mm -hmm. on Ronda. I could see other crowds, maybe. But in L.A., turning on Ronda, I would not have assumed it would be so 
um, intent. But just the way that was structured, like Charlotte leave it, the the attack and then you return for the second attack, mm-hmm. they have learned that is going to get a babyface reaction. Mm-hmm. So there were elements of it that you could see was going to get a positive reaction out of that crowd for Charlotte. Yeah, and I feel like heel turns these days, um, for the most part, don't really, unless we're talking about NXT, which I feel is different, but like on the main roster, it feels like typically heel turns are not necessarily uh, heat-attracting moments. They are uh, babyface reaction-attracting moments because people, these babyfaces that otherwise appear maybe all too safe and vanilla are suddenly showing an edge and show, showing... Like you know, when Bailey attacked Sasha that one time when she finally snapped. Or when Becky snapped or when, you know, I guess... Mm-hmm. I guess Brian on Thursday was an exception, you know? They didn't necessarily cheer that. Could but you imagine... Was, could you imagine if you had... Uh, brought your dad to watch the Survivor Series tonight, and 15 yeah. minutes into that main event, he's like, "Man, this this Brock Lesnar, what an asshole!" And then you inform your father, uh, "Brian's actually uh, he's a bad guy." <laughs> I don't even. Could you imagine? It's impossible to try to explain. You could never watch dynamics. this match and be able to understand that. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> and part of me wonders if like, I don't know why that turn happened on on. Uh, Tuesday. Part of me wonders if there's any even like deliberate babyface or heel turns anymore. If it's just like the company throwing some shit out there and trying to like play with the audience's reactions and then running with those reactions. Because I don't know, but but certainly, um, I think like in most situations, you and I could could determine whether or not an audience would cheer or boo somebody. It could just simply be the company completely misreading the audience for a number of their moves. Well, I think that's why we are putting so much thought into this because yeah. they have missed it on so many. Uh, mm-hmm. just having such a bad read on how the audience is going to react. Uh, the Becky one being a chief example at SummerSlam. And so, then running with it to save whatever reaction yeah. that there is. But I will say, regardless of the intent, that that uh, viewing audience saw that angle, and Ronda's probably going to be booed tomorrow night just because it's going to be a response to tonight where they feel, okay, now the handcuffs are off and we can boo this woman where we have permission to boo her i mean so much of it i think in this scenario is because of how much how beloved becky is especially after you know her being taken away off of this card and the build-up for this entire week this entire two weeks has been becky versus ronda in their their minds their favorite wrestler becky lynch her ultimate prize at the end of all this is Ronda Rousey, and therefore Ronda Rousey is always going to be be seen as the away team. She's going to be seen as the opponent for their favorite in Becky Lynch. So as long as that feud is happening, Ronda, you could expect these chants. But, I mean, you know, if she's paired against Nia, how do you expect that reaction to be? Bet Ronda and Nia. Well, that was, you know, the fact and that was brought up by Cole at the end is that Nia Jax is next. That's what makes me think that how could they be turning her now when she's got this Nia Jax program? Nia was the most overheel or most loudly booed individual on this show. Mm-hmm. On this on this whole show. They hated yeah. her. Yeah. And you're telling me that this Ronda that just got booed out of the Staples Center, that's her next program? Like, I'm not opposed to turning Ronda in time for this Becky match. Mm-hmm. But not when you've got Nia next, who is the most hated person on this roster to the at least was tonight so i mean it could be that they didn't intend to turn ronda and that they only intended to turn becky for some reason but then that i would even question because i think 
shifting uh, Rhonda's focus so much to wanting to get revenge on Charlotte rather than having her completely, uh, you know, be aligned with with Becky all the way until Mania. It's a really interesting, I think, you know, now I would say a top mix of the women's division that, that, you know, we have to look at. And it really does feel like it's the hottest division of the entire company right now. All right, let's get into the show. We started off with the two-hour kickoff show. This first hour of the kickoff might have been the most useless hour of WWE programming in the longest time. How I watch them now, I mean, I don't even watch them. I listen to them as I go about my day. I prepare my dinner. I shower, and I'll have it like on a Bluetooth speaker just to, to listen to it, just because I need to catch up. But if you don't need to do a show afterwards, you don't need to watch it. Like at a time when the audience, as much content as you increase, the one variable that does not change is your free time. And they just take it for, like, why is this two hours? Oh, um, I don't know. Cause I like to have a presence on Twitter, you know, like, again, you and I are the exception. We are, we're, we're people that like willingly watch it. I think there are people that are, I think what the kickoff show is meant to do is to try to attract people that aren't on their radar, like that don't have survivor series on their radar. That might be just scrolling through their timeline and they might be catching on to this thing. Well, I hope they attracted millions during this kickoff <laughs> show. What a what a launching on point. Uh, it was hosted by Jonathan Coachman, Jerry Lawler, Beth Phoenix, and David Otunga. In the locker room, Alexa was with the Raw women's team, and they want to humiliate SmackDown, and Nia makes a crack about what she did to Becky Lynch's face. So they're going full force with that, yep. um, calling her the face breaker. Face breaker. That's okay. what they're calling her. Did she actually use the punch? It's not her finisher. Did no. she use it in the match? She was it. To, did she start off with it? I think she swung at somebody with like it. Like Naomi or yeah. one of those. Um, she might, I'll get into my notes. Okay, okay, uh, okay. If she actually, she might have beat someone with it. Um, but yeah, they're going fully yeah. with it. They recognize like the reaction. Like, listen, they wanted to, Nia's a heel. They want this heel reaction for Nia Jax. And I'm sure she feels really bad about what she did backstage. She's probably like well aware of all the criticisms but i mean in the end this is what they want for the character and they're running with it yeah i mean it's listen if you are going to push this woman then you should acknowledge this do you think that there's any you know uh anything any any heat uh quote unquote heat uh against her for hurting her opponents i think if it was isolated i would lean no but i think because this is not her first issue that she's had, she's had several of them that I think that that's the reputation she's kind of garnered for herself at the moment. And you could certainly say that, you know, for, for another woman that's lower on the pecking order, um, that isn't injuring people. Why is this woman getting the push over us? And now this is going to be like a break for her character. This is like going to be a positive in the end for her. Um, you know, we, we don't know when Becky is going to be able to come back and, Nia's going to benefit from this. Re- so. Not saying like she was, you know, did this on purpose or anything, no, of but not. you you saw this and it was just, I mean, I mean, it was a reckless shot. So I guess what I mean is, you know, like how, what, what sort of repercussions could you see handed down to her when she, she was already in line for this Ronda Rousey match? What type of punishment is she going to get? She's kind of one of their big, you know, mainstream or, you know, one of the stars they want to be mainstream. 
Well, I mean, it would only be, hey, do we want to be putting this woman in with, you know, someone like a Ronda Rousey, who mm. we are going to base WrestleMania around? Do, do we want to reward her with a big program and potentially put someone else at risk? I think that's a perfectly rational caution to have um, if you're if you're the company. And is this woman, you know, safe to be working with all these women? Do we have to address this? I'm not saying you cut her, but do yeah. you assess, you know, send her back down for some training? Do you, yeah, sure. you know, there's no harm in that. I guess knowing like wrestling's history with, you know, the likes of like Goldberg and like, you know, your other uh, uh, maybe slightly more dangerous wrestlers continuing to get pushes regardless of, of, of like, your Ahmed Johnson's even. I feel like Vince will have his favorites and they will get pushed regardless. Yeah. I, I mean, Ahmed, though, his thing was like he also got hurt a lot, but it was also like he roughed up a lot of guys. And that was his his downfall in, in the company as well. I mean, he was someone mm. that they just realized we can't go much further with this guy. He's not all that talented. And and he got hurt a lot, too. So uh, they're in the they're in the locker room and Ruby Riot makes a crack about Natalia and Jim Neidhart's sunglasses and they get into this big brawl and it ended up with Alexa kicking both off the team. Who could have foresaw this, that these two would not get along and they just canceled each other out. Do you feel like this was the plan from the beginning with this or do you feel like this might've been a last minute decision? I thought that the way they had done the angle on Monday, it made no sense for these two to be shoulder to shoulder on the apron together teaming. I think that would have been so silly. So I think after you did the angle on Monday, um, you had to do something. I would have done this on Raw. I would have made the team just established on Monday rather than hearing a backstage segment. Why wouldn't segment. you just have had Bailey ba- ba- and Sasha win their matches to qualify? You had to have Alexa fuck with them on Monday and have their, their match where they beat up one another. So they're both weakened. Uh, and now Alexa has to pick them. Alexa, like right. in storyline, yeah. comes across like a real idiot, like as a captain. She did win, though. Like, she she had to rely on the two people who she sent out to fight one another and screw with. And then uh, picked Natalia and Ruby Riot together. I mean... Yeah, I'm just curious, like, how decisions like this get made, whether or not this was always the plan. Because it just feels like such disjointed storytelling. I wouldn't think that they would make a, cho- a decision like this all the way on the kickoff, right? I don't think that this probably garnered much thought. I think it was probably, ah, we'll, we'll swap them. We yeah. can just go with this now. We don't have to deal with this on Raw. Uh, Baron Corbin and Paige were on the panel. They were interrupted by Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush. This included uh, Bo- uh, Lawler making a crack at Leo Rush, and he started just laughing, and he couldn't even keep a straight face. He had to, like, turn away from Lawler. Lawler had some lines on this show. He said about Daniel Bryan's heel turn that evil is like diarrhea. Eventually, it's got to come out. <laughs> He had so many jokes that there was like a pause of silence. It's like me using a pun and your reaction. And it, there were so many oh, on this man. panel. He was only on for the first hour, but it felt like longer. Uh, Charlie interviewed Charlotte backstage, cut a pretty good promo about uh, Ronda Rousey. She also cut a promo about social media. She said, you know, one day social media loves you, the next it hates you. But tonight isn't about social media. I'm like, if it's I about- never, if I never hear the term social media again in my life, I'd be so happy. Uh, you'd much rather promos about millennials. Oh, I don't want to hear anyone. Uh, oh, social media, God! You could follow us on social media at Post Wrestling. What kind of media is not social? Like, is there is there the non-social media books? I would say aren't very social. They're pretty uh. Intro, introverting media. 
She said that she is the only one that can hold up the four fingers because it's her birthright. No one can lace her boots, not even the baddest woman on the planet, who tonight will bow down. Good promos, I thought. Between yeah. this and, and on Thursday, you know, she really only had like two segments to kind of promote this match, and I thought she did well. Naomi was with the SmackDown women's team. This led to R-Truth walking in, announcing he was the fifth member of the team. They said, no, you're not a woman. And then Naomi announced that the fifth entrant on the team would be Mandy Rose. No Nikki Cross. No Nikki Cross. It doesn't look like she's even a, a member she of the She didn't come roster. out with Sanity. Yeah. So I'm guessing she has, has a story to finish up with in uh, NXT. Well, she did do the televised match with Candice LeRae prior to TakeOver. Um, okay. But I don't know what she's doing beyond that i guess we'll know honestly like seeing how congested like they have they, they have you know your mandy roses and your sonia devils that they have to continue to build i i feel like i think if i was nikki cross i would wait for a better time i don't know if there's gonna be a better yeah, time good quote yeah this is a company point. that doesn't release people so mm-hmm. it's just you get this and you're not increasing the the length of the shows so it's and just it's just bottlenecked with I so know. many performers and you're adding more of them now and NXT is like pretty NXT is too. bloated yeah it's bloated you have someone like a god so many names that mm-hmm. aren't even featured on television like EC3 isn't even regularly on TV mm-hmm. Drake Maverick was interviewed on the panel what a night this guy would have this was amazing uh, did you did you see this interview on the panel? I did. So they're asking him questions as the 205 Live commissioner and then also asking him questions as the heel manager on Raw. So he had to like <laughs> he had to pretty much like flip a switch from question to question. And then Jerry Lawler made a hobbit joke about his height. So Drake Maverick cut this big promo on Lawler and they're all laughing at Drake Maverick as he's trying to be serious. I felt so sorry for this guy. Until later on in the night, and then I forgot about this entirely. Not a great night for Rockstar Spud. I think Drake Maverick must have known what, what he was about to go out to do tonight. And that's why I felt like he tried to uh, carry on a bit more of a stronger presence on this kickoff panel, which I thought he, which I thought he did. He, I thought he conducted himself quite, quite well. Then uh, they aired a promo. Coming soon, Lars Sullivan. Yeah, isn't that interesting? That's where, that's the call up. Looks like. Where would you put him? On which show? Uh, I think there are way too many similar similarities the to Braun. Braun Strowman, so I would probably do SmackDown. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because SmackDown, would you have him as a heel or a babyface? They do need some babyfaces on SmackDown. Is now Lars that you've Sullivan turned Brian turn? Is Lars Sullivan the guy though? And do you think he's ready? Um, he's gotten better. He'll he's fine. He's not the top of the, the he's nowhere near the the upper echelon of NXT talent, mm-hmm. but he's got a great look. His entrance is really good and he can be carried and he, he's gotten better as a, as a big man. But, I could see him as, you know, a guy that Vince absolutely loves and he'll continue mm-hmm. to push. I'll say this. He was he's way further along than Braun was when he got called up to the main roster. Mm-hmm. Braun was, you know, extremely green in 2015. The New Day came out. This was for the kickoff match, the match that didn't exist. This was <laughs> this was the crown jewel of matches. And they cut a promo before the match, and the crowd just booed all references to Monday Night Raw. Xavier kept repeating Monday Night Raw, and the boos just got louder and louder. And then they introduced all the teams. The goofiest were Sanity coming out in the team shirts. Well, uh, yeah, because they are supposed to be... This is our unhinged. annual pet peeve about the Raw and SmackDown t-shirts. And I always talk about 
it just makes these guys look like idiots. And then inevitably someone will just say, ah, you're overthinking this too much. I was like, really? Shane McMahon doesn't overthink this. Ronda Rousey didn't wear one either. No, Ronda Rousey didn't. And if you noticed, actually, in the men's match... Did Brock Lesnar have one? Uh, Brock <laughs> lost his Raw t-shirt. Uh, Jeff Hardy had his on, and as the match started, he's on the apron, and he just quietly just took it off and threw it to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> but she, it's just like, certain guys understand, this makes me look like a geek, and yeah. I'm not doing it. And, and Sanity just looked so ridiculous. This would be like The Undertaker wearing an under uh, SmackDown shirt. I just wish... I think there are certain applications that where I think it's really effective. And, and one of those would be a, an instance like this where I think you have one side versus another. Visually, you want to see like some, some distinction, like an away team and a, and a home team. I guess I just wish it was a bit more subtle rather than just your, your full-on red or blue t-shirt. Something to give everybody still a bit of identity, whether it be just... Uh, uh, an armband or like you know a stripe of blue in your pants rather instead of red uh rather than you know full-on t-shirts that kind of make everybody a little bit tougher to identify i spend five hours every week that's that's my prep for knowing who's on which brand yeah. um anyway the usos biggie and xavier woods anderson and gallows eric young and killian dane and the colognes they represented smackdown taking on bobby Roode and chad gable the revival the b team Kalisto and Lince Dorado and the Ascension and Corey Graves noted that the Ascension are on the precipice of something great okay what that is I have no idea they've been ascending this whole time they have been quietly very 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 quietly the whole Raw team did the glorious pose wonderful wonderful bonding moment yeah the revival looked like they were just having a great time Kalisto I guess he tweaked his knee early on he landed on it and he was favoring it kept going and then he just ended up rolling to the floor, and he was replaced by Grand Metalik. Didn't look legitimate to me. It just looked like an angle to get Metalik in the match. It was... I don't know. I don't think they would have gone to that effort for Kalisto. Yeah. Like, they had I'm nothing not sure. going on in this match. It wasn't part of any story. Yeah. So I bought it as legit. Maybe they just want to get Grand Metalik in the match. They just put him in the match. I don't I don't think this would have required any kind of thought. Yeah. Um so Corey Graves was very confused when Kalista was out and Dorado was in. Uh, the Colognes got eliminated with the Shatter Machine. And then the Lucha House Party was eliminated after... Uh, oh, sorry. They weren't eliminated. It was just Kalisto replacing him. Uh, or getting replaced. Anderson rolled up Bo Dallas with a schoolboy. Then Gable hit a moonsault with the neckbreaker combo from Rude to eliminate Eric Young as a... Team Canada coming to blows here. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Yeah, very, very. Didn't get that that much interaction between the two, but kind of cool. Woods then lifted Biggie onto his shoulders. He came off with a splash to eliminate Victor. So the Ascension uh, went to go find their precipice somewhere else. And then Dorado countered the Magic Killer. He got a bit of a sequence here with Gallows and Anderson. Uh, Dorado and Metalik hit dual Asai moonsaults to the floor, but then they were eliminated. Um, this was after Metalik pinned uh, Carl Anderson. Uh, Jimmy then eliminated Lince Dorado after pressing him into the air into a Samoan drop that was came down very awkward. They were like at different spots in the mm. ring. So the match to me really picked up when it became an eight-man tag. You had Rude, Gable, and the Revival against the Usos and the New Day. And they worked like a really solid television match mm-hmm. um, through the end of this. They got about, I, I don't know, like eight, ten minutes here yeah, at the end like with it. the yeah, eight of them. Like so... Uh, Dawson hit a suicide dive. Wood, Woods came through the ropes with a big drop kick. Wilder with a tornado DDT. This was like a lot of flying for the revival. 
Uh, Rude then back body dropped Gable onto everyone and Rude teased a dive but got stopped with a super kick and Gable took Jimmy Uso and off the top turnbuckle hit a released German sending Jimmy to everyone on the floor. I gasped. That was... This was the kickoff. Amazing. Yeah, that, like, I'm trying to think throughout this whole show, that might have been the spot of the show, man. That, that These were German a bunch of guys play. that guaranteed have chips on their shoulders oh. and had 23 minutes to go out and show, hey, we can all go here and you're missing the boat on us. I think especially among these last, these final eight. Yeah, I certainly would have rather had this match instead of the, uh, you know, Bar versus Cesaro or Bar versus, uh, what is it? Uh, AOP. <laughs> AOP match. Thank you. E then caught Gable's moonsault. They hit the up, up, down, down, pinning Gable. And then Woods tried a top rope elbow, but came into the shatter machine, was eliminated by by Wilder. So it came down to the Revival and the Usos. Revival hit the Power and Glory superplex splash combo. Jay made the save. And then the Usos hit a bunch of drop kicks. Jimmy hit the splash while in midair, cocking his fist as a tribute to Roman Reigns and pinned Scott Dawson. 23 minutes and 16 seconds. Uh... There was some sloppiness in the early part, but mm. the bulk of the match was the eight-man at the end, and I thought the eight-man was really good. That was the strength of the match. I uh, completely agreed. In particular, I felt like it was when the Lucha House Party were in there where I felt like there was a little bit of miscommunication with a lot of uh, uh, spots. Um, but when it came down to the final eight people that were in there, it became an awesome, awesome match. Just a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, if, if the Kalisto thing was legit and they had to legitimately swap him, I can imagine that being a bit of a communication issue. Like Perhaps. here's Grand Metalik thrown into the ring to continue this match. Hmm. But, I mean, this to me really hit it over the head that the... The, the bulk of these performers are not over and they don't seem to have any plans for them, but there's some really good talent in these two tag divisions. You're- and I'd, I'd include the Usos there who are definitely not getting a whole lot of TV time. And yeah, yeah you had some great stuff here at the end. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought they really managed to establish the Usos as the top team. I mean, you kind of had the New Day mention as much perhaps the best tag team in, in the world right now is what they said and um i you know i thought in, by the end of this the usos kind of looked like big deals however the whole division as a whole still continues to feel like it's quite overlooked despite the incredible amount of talent that's that's at least at your top end the bottom end though especially on raw needs a lot of work i would like if nxt does another uh, dusty roads classic throw in a few of the main roster teams just to make it interesting yeah, and why like not, not everyone, but a few. But why not have your Dusty Rhodes classics uh, end with like team gets called up? Although that might be a bit more of a punishment. What about the team point. gets to stay? Yeah, what, you it, get a guaranteed contract. <laughs> if the Ascension win, they get to go back <laughs> to go, NXT. Go, go back the the Dissension. <laughs> <laughs> so stop the podcast. We're it's done. Over. We're done. Good night. Uh, Alexa Bliss announced at the end that uh, Sasha Banks and Bailey would replace Natalia and Ruby Riot, and that concluded our two-hour, 120-minute kickoff show. Were you kicked off? Were you ready? I was kicking something. One match. She got one match in this. And then Carmella and R-Truth came out at the beginning of the main show. I thought they were going to do a whole bit, but it was just the introduction. So we start with the women's elimination match. Carmella, Naomi, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, and Asuka against Nia Jax, Tamina, Mickey James, Sasha Banks, and Bailey. And during Nia Jax's entrance, this is where she uh, ref- she's looking down at her fist like she's William Regal. Mm-hmm. The power of the punch. Huge amount of booze for Nia. So is her, her punch... The only legitimate punch is everyone else a work punch. Is that what we're to conclude? 
Uh, hers, Why is her punch so deadly? Hers is just more powerful. Oh, it's more powerful. Yeah. Okay. It's like the big shows. Yeah. yeah. It's a close fist. It should be illegal. Yeah. Right. So they're calling her the face breaker. The whole arena started chanting for Becky. And I wrote about this in my preview. I thought this would be prevalent in the, the women's match. And I thought throughout the show, this could be like, if this crowd wanted to take over matches, I thought there were going to be Becky chants all over. And I guess it wasn't too much of an issue. It did. They did pop up, but they weren't ever trying to like hijack matches with the chant. There's one guy in the audience. I, I, I think later on would try to hijack the show, but um, still to come. It didn't really work. Oh out. my God. <laughs> this was the weirdest show. This is a show. We'll look back at five years yeah. and just explain what was going on at this time. Yeah, it's it's just crazy. mind boggling. Somebody will choose this for a future Rwanda way for sure. Naomi was eliminated with a super kick by Tamina in 90 seconds. Yeah. This was this was uh, the match where I think you had to resort to your typical, you know, Survivor Series quick eliminations. Yeah. Um, Mandy came in and she looked like either Mandy Rose has the best flying knee in the business or she nailed Nia Jax. Like this knee, it sounded like it nailed her and maybe it was just a great work i think it just knee. looks good because she yeah, well then, then congratulations yeah i think she continues to do it and uh it it's it's been kind of like her big signature spot naya sold the hell out of this she was down on one knee for like three minutes in the corner a, which yeah, hey if they pulled it off great they were trying to put a lot of focus on mandy rose i was like her and sonia deville they were trying hard but mm-hmm. they have a ways to go yeah i agree i, I thought you know but compared to maybe this was like I would say the first bit of responsibility that they really gave those two mm-hmm. and by the end of it I can't really say it was much of a show stealing performance or that by the end of the show I think much about what they did but I think it was a first step at least so with Tamina she gets the quick elimination over Naomi and then she's rolled up by Carmella and eliminated instantly yeah, and they have to get through the elimination so there you go just racing through uh, DeVille hit the sliding knee to Mickey James but then it was Rose that Blind tagged herself in and eliminated Mickey. Carmella was mocking Sasha and then turned around. She was eliminated with the Bailey to belly. Banks is tagged in. She applies the bank statement. She eliminates Mandy Rose. DeVille then hit this awful looking spine buster to Bailey. Jax made the save and this audience just was on top of Nia. They were booing her out of the building. Uh, DeVille and Bailey fought on the floor. Bailey hit a Bailey to belly, could not get back in again. So we got a double count out. At this point, I was not enjoying this match. Nia Jax and Sasha Banks remain on the Raw side and Asuka is left alone on SmackDown. I thought the best part of this match was Asuka getting involved with Sasha. They got four or five minutes together. Everyone was behind Asuka here. Well, they were cheering Sasha too, but they hated Jax, who got hit with a uh, hip attack by Asuka and fell off the apron. Uh, Jax then shoved Sasha off the top, her teammate, into the Asuka lock and Banks has to tap out. And then Jax just comes in, hits a bunch of leg drops to Asuka, and pins her. 20 minutes and 15 seconds, Nia Jax is the sole survivor. I think given where they're going with Ronda, I think this would have been the finish even before Monday. But now Mm. she's this giant heel, and I think this was the only finish you were going to do. My only question was if they protect Tamina as well, and the answer was no. No, I mean, she's always been the fall guy attached to Nia, you know, really. And I think her losing really doesn't affect her at all. Um and the booking was just logical. She is the one, Nia is the one with the most heat. She's the one with uh, uh, the most value to keep ahead of a main event with Ronda coming up next. And I think 
you're in lo- the long run setting her up for Becky to get her revenge. So I think it's very I important. think those should be the final two in the Rumble. Yeah, and then you do um, Elimination Chamber with the two of them. You could do something with them. Yeah, I you mean, she has match. to get a win. You have to do the match between the two. Brawl them, for right? all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be great. Um, I thought Sasha and Oscar had a nice little showcase between the two of them. Um, you know, if Sasha, I think, had a better year, I think that interaction would have been even better. Like, it was almost kind of sad watching the two of them because, like, maybe a year or two ago, <laughs> both of them would have been, their stocks would have been way more elevated. And that interaction between the two would have felt that much better. Um, but, you know, for what I can say, though, about Asuka is that she certainly seems to have the crowd's favor. She's very much in the same spot as Becky was at the Money in the Bank, where the crowd recognizes she's been undervalued and they want to see her get pushed. Yeah, I, I thought as a Survivor Series match, I, I thought it was kind of disappointing. Um, Pretty run-of-the-mill, I but would say. Yeah, it was just racing through a lot. And then this was where they bring up that Raw has gone up one nothing. one nothing. Yeah, what did I just spend two hours of my life on? Nothing. Nothing. Evidently. Literally nothing to this This. Uh, That's just an company. insult to the tag division, right? It's just like, why was it even there? Why did we have captains established? Why did we have them cutting promos about what they were fighting for? Ca- and why why didn't Raw just win then? If that was the story, we're going to do this 7 nothing. Well, Who does a best of six? What, what is a best of six? What if we were tied at the end of this? Well, that's a great question. It made no sense. Like, just have Raw win then. It's not like the Usos are so... Prote- we have to protect the Usos. They have to win this. They could have lost. They were not... It would have been made absolutely no difference. And it would have been less irritating to me. Stephanie McMahon was backstage with Baron Corbin and called Monday night a black mark on Baron Corbin's career. She wants Corbin to lead Raw to a clean sweep tonight. Or else he's fired. So okay. Job uh, job safe. Yeah. Um, I wrote down here, this confirmed that Stephanie didn't watch the kickoff show because she'd know it wasn't a clean sweep. Stupid me. When it's, you're this powerful, you just eliminate the kickoff show altogether. I mean, it really is strange. Do you feel... Uh, whatever. We've kind of talked about that. I can't psychoanalyze. Like, I, I just explained is there a just, very easy answer to this conundrum is there just some disconnect like like between the people that book the the kickoff and the people that book the main show because if there if there is then the announcers i feel like should have communicated hey this doesn't technically qualify for the final tally so it's like why am i watching it then what is this what is this for why is it raw versus smackdown then it's a preview it's a preview i'm not going to see any of this on that i'm not going to see any of these people this isn't a preview Shane and Paige walked in. Corbin compared them to LeBron James, overrated and overhyped. Boo. And then they made fun of AJ Styles and Becky Lynch for being removed from the show. Ha mm-hmm. <laughs> ha, concussion. Seth Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Shinsuke Nakamura, he has stated that one of his, the big influences on his life is Michael Jackson. And he had pants and an outfit that could have been used by the Jackson 5 at one time. What yeah. was he wearing? These blue pants looked like a full blue. This guy looked like he was going to a disco after. Looked like a full blue bodysuit. You, the guy usually usually rocks like the red and black leather, but you know for obvious reasons he can't wear red at all on his body. So he opted instead for like this. Looked like a yeah, like a blue disco suit with a t-shirt, of course. And Seth doing his annual Survivor Series two shirts in one deal. Half shirts. Oh, yeah, God. that's his thing. That's his thing now. The half he does shirt. this every year. Right. They always look stupid. He's non-committal. <laughs> I, I can tell. Yeah, you know? he's all about his branding. Yeah, he's which one a, do I do? Yeah, I'll do both. So, 
Uh, early on, Seth did the Nakamura mannerism, telling him to come on. Nakamura took over after this kick to the face from the floor. Uh, they were having like a fine, solid match, but it wasn't until the, I would say the first Kinshasa that the audience really bit on a near fall. They were just taking turns with big strikes. Nakamura had a triangle. He even hit the landslide. Uh, Rollins then hit the superplex Falcon arrow. But when Nakamura missed with a Kinshasa, he took a ripcord knee. Nakamura kicked out of that. And then Rollins missed with a frog splash, took the Kinshasa to the back of the head. And this audience went nuts when Rollins kicked out of that. He went for another, but got hit with a super kick. Rollins misses with the stomp on the first try, avoided a Kinshasa, and on the second attempt, hit the stomp, pinning Nakamura. This one went 21 minutes and 28 seconds. And I liked the match. I thought it was, you know, one of Nakamura's better matches. I wouldn't say this was uh, the top level of Rollins matches this year, but I liked the match. It was certainly a very long match, and it kind of felt it. I thought it was very good technically. Um, but I, I, I have to say, like, for the bulk of this match, I found myself not really all that engaged. I would say the first 12, 13 minutes, there was nothing wrong with it, but it wasn't uh, grabbing you. But either. I think for me, it's like the lack of interest in the feud, which didn't exist. They spent really no time on it besides, you know, a couple promos here and there. Seth's been just completely uh, involved in this Dean Ambrose thing, uh, which he did not appear for the whole show, by the way. Um, but I think I just have a real lack of interest in Nakamura at the moment. So both of those things going into this made me not all that hyped for a 20-minute match, unfortunately. But it was good, technically, you know? But it just felt like it was missing that magic. Braun Strowman met with the Raw team. He was going through all the guys that he didn't like, didn't know who Leo Rush was. But it, he admitted Finn Balor was all right. This guy's okay. Yeah, he's a baby face now. Yeah, I'm trying to keep track. Drew McIntyre got into his face. He said he's going to brutalize Shane McMahon tonight and called Braun a mindless meat castle. Which has to be a future shirt. Which has to be a restaurant. The mindless meat castle. I love to, I love to go there. He claims he doesn't know what that means. Baron came in. He's trying to unify everyone. And then R-Truth walked in telling everyone to work together. And they, he was informed, you're not in this match. You're also not on Raw. I thought all this stuff really hit. Like, it hit really well. Like, with this whole... He's obviously... I won't say a, a priority, but he is someone that could easily be forgotten on a show like this. But they go out of their way, like, the comedy skits. Mm -hmm. This guy can pull them off. Yeah, I think I think he's provided some really good comedy relief um, thus far in, in this run. And he was used effectively on this show. The AOP versus Sheamus and Cesaro. I can confirm this match did take place. Drake Maverick in one corner, Big Show in the other. Cesaro and Sheamus double-teamed Razor for a long time. The giant swing was uh, stopped by Razor when it was uh, attempted to be uh, delivered to Akam. And then the crowd starts cheering. And I immediately took note because I knew there was nothing going on in this match that was prompting such a response. Mm -hmm. And then we find that Enzo Amore had been undercover ringside in the crowd with a wig and had oh, taken the wig off and was being escorted out by security as he held his fake belt up. By now, I imagine most of you listening would have already seen like these photos of Enzo Amore in decoy uh, sitting in the front When you row. see this photo of him with this wig on, it, it is, is among the... Hilarious. Just bizarre. 
he he was doing some concert in LA Sunday night, and I guess this was his grand idea to get some publicity. Uh, this was just really strange. Did you consider it? I mean, the publicity he certainly got. Was it good publicity? Is anybody going to go and listen to his record after this? Not maybe, maybe of this. somebody would. Maybe somebody would. Apparently, as a song about Liv Morgan. Um, I don't know. Who after this tweeted, embarrassing. Right. Clearly, you know, the man doesn't have his sights set on trying to uh, maybe regain the the respect of the wrestling audience. You know, obviously the company. Um, in fact, he's just kind of going all the way. I, I think I think his fans will look at this as 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 you know, like a win for for Enzo Moore. Oh wow, that's but, that's uh, like SmackDown saying, you know what, we went on the kickoff. But this is just like his music video that he did. It's like, um, to if you don't like him, you will find it completely cringeworthy and embarrassing. But if you're a fan, you will. Like you're right. This publicity stunt was an Enzo Amore publicity yeah. stunt. So. Um, like man, in in like years down the line, I I could just see this dude just being like, "Oh, it's Enzo again." Like he's just like that type of trivia note, right? Do you think this is something that would be this this has shut the door for any yes. potential return? Completely. This was enough that even if the door was slightly open for a future return, this was like this guy's just we don't want to do business with this guy. I think it would be different if Enzo Amore all of a sudden became a mainstream megastar on the level of The Rock or Jesse Ventura. Uh, I don't see that happening with him. <laughs> wow. You're really getting ahead of our your predictions. I don't think he'll be the mayor of uh, or governor of Minnesota anytime soon. Can we just get through this match? Yes. Um, I just want to be done with it. Sheamus hit a bro kick to Razor. It wasn't even the worst thing in this match. No, no, that was to come. <laughs> Maverick placed the foot of Razor onto the bottom rope, saving his guy. So Drake was chased away by Sheamus and ran right into the big show, who lifted him onto the apron by the throat. And Drake Maverick is busy with his hand in his pants to try and squirt. Was his hand in his pants? It looked like, like he was adjusting something. Or the pant pocket. Or, or I think did, he was going for the pocket. We'll have to study I can't say I looked at this in great detail, but he started to piss his pants. Yeah, you saw a stream of uh, liquid stro- uh, come down his gray track pants or whatever pants he had. Uh, I I thought we were way beyond this. I thought this was like 1999, 2000 stuff. God damn it, I did it. I pissed my pants. Did on he t- do that? Remember the gun to his head? By Austin. Oh, okay, yes. This was so... I like, again, this, this is so... Li- this is the shit you hate about pro a, wrestling. Dude, this is embarrassing. I, I hated it more because if you are a 205 Live viewer, Drake oh Maverick God. is not a punchline. He's like a... This would be like William Regal playing this role on TV and he's like pissing his pants. You know what I mean? Like he's like the respected general manager, babyface general manager, and then he's the fucking sideshow on Raw. It's like... Enough of the dual role. It's well, it's just. I think it's embarrassing if you are, uh, if you've been exposed at all to the amount of talent that this man has and how what role he should have. The role he should have. He's is, playing a manager that doesn't cut promos. How asinine is stupid. that? And he's a great promo. But as a as a as a promo, the role he should have is that of Paul Heyman's. You know, like he should be respected to that level because I think his talent is that strong. He shouldn't be doing pissing gimmicks like this. Yeah, this is the stuff that, you know, you wonder why they've had such a struggle with advertisers and acceptance. It's because a video like this that goes around, it's like, oh, of course, the 
the WWE bullshit. This is the type of stuff that, that I, I mean, does it doesn't pick up? Like, is Twitter like going crazy about this? If they're going crazy about it, it's it's because of how tasteless it is, not because of like, oh, oh my god, I, I, I didn't see much guy. care at all. I think it was just, just like a it, stupid. It's grown inducing at this point to your audience. So the Miz met with the SmackDown men's team. Miz and Shane are giving a big motivational speech. So our truth walks in. He wants a spot on the SmackDown roster. Shane said he's already on the roster. I think at this point I was good on my R-Truth yeah. stuff. I was like, this was, we, we were, we were batting a thousand up until this point. Yes, yes, yes. So the score they inform us is three, nothing raw. So at best, the rest of this show is SmackDown going for a tie. Really dramatic. Technically they won the kickoff. <laughs> Are you going to bring that one up each one? Maybe the cruiserweight match is a, a match. No, they, f- they flat out explain oh, okay. that this has nothing to do with raw versus SmackDown. Yeah. That was how they pitched us. So we had Buddy Murphy against Mustafa Ali for the cruiserweight title. Ali started with a somersault dive off the top to the floor, and then Ali was shoved off the turnbuckle, and his back crashed into the barricade. This guy flew back first into it, and Murphy went after the back. Ali got sent to the floor, and Murphy hit this huge Topekon hero back into the ring. Ali hit a reverse Rana, getting a two-count. And then Ali hit a tilt-a-whirl into a draping DDT off the middle rope. This looked incredible. Ali climbs to the top for the 054, but he's sent to the floor with his face hitting the apron. Murphy cleared off the announcer's desk, but Ali leaped up and he hit a Spanish fly off the table. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen them do that on a 205. They have done it on 205 Live, yeah. Uh, this generated a 205 chant. Uh, Murphy stopped another 054, hit a Cheeky Nando's kick, and then after avoiding it the first time, Ali uh, jumps into a knee and gets hit by Murphy's Law. Buddy Murphy wins 12 minutes and 10 seconds. I thought this was, you know, the crowd wasn't super hot for it. They had their pocket, though, that was into it. Uh, but I thought this was one of the better matches on the show. Oh, certainly. Up until this point, the match of the show. Yeah. I mean, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, the tag team division having a chip on their shoulders. Well, the, I think these guys would have it even more. And uh, this, to me, felt like a really, really great showcase for the type of wrestling you would typically see on a 205 Live, you know? It, I thought they outworked everybody on the show up until this point, including Nakamura and Rollins. I yeah. thought these two did really great. Big highlight of the show was this Cruiserweight match. You know, what's kind of silly, though, is that, like, when your WWE champion is not all that much bigger, I don't even know if he is bigger than your Cruiserweight champion. And yet, you know, they still decide to have kind of these distinguishing uh, weight classes. I guess Why? Like, why? Why have weight classes? Because um, I feel like you, like a Buddy Murphy or Mustafa Ali would be awesome on the main roster. And I just wish there was like some movement between the two divisions where you can swap guys out one after the other. I think part of what makes NXT so interesting and, and so captivating most of the time is because you can see who will one day move up. There's always like something to look forward to with somebody. Whereas on 205 Live, Buddy Murphy can win the title like 15 times and he'll still be on 205 Live. You know? Yeah. I wish there was a, a, a way for the for the for the rosters to just bounce up. Yeah, I, I'd say in 2018, I don't know if weight classes really work for professional wrestling, wrestling for that very reason. Mm-hmm. Like you want to be able to see. You can, Rey Mysterio is on SmackDown, so I think what 205 Live ends up feeling is just like you're uh, you're only limiting your minor leagues. You know, Kayla Braxton tried to interview Daniel Bryan, but he just smiled and walked off without commenting on the match with Brock Lesnar. They replayed the Lars Sullivan promo, and then we went to the men's elimination match. Braun Strowman, Drew McIntyre, Dolph Ziggler, Finn Balor, and Bobby Lashley taking on The Miz. Best in the world, Shane McMahon, Rey Mysterio, Samoa Joe, and Jeff Hardy. 
Shane came out, lost his SmackDown shirt, but thankfully he had his custom-made baseball jersey for tonight. Yep, only the big stars. Joe goes for the Coquina clutch to Drew McIntyre right at the beginning. McIntyre escapes, Claymore kick, Joe's pinned in 30 seconds, and the audience was furious. I thought they were going to turn on the match. They were so upset. <laughs> so your theory is that they're doing this deliberately to get Samoa Joe babyface reactions? I think that it was... I think the main focus was Drew McIntyre is the star in this match. Yeah. And we want to do something big with him. And I feel that something big is beating Joe. Mm-hmm. And the negative can really be a positive for us. Because ah, if they get upset, that's a good emotion to evoke out of our fans now. We want to make them upset because they'll get behind someone. I don't think they look at it as like, we're hurting this guy. Mm-hmm. Even if they they are. This would not have been... That suggests to me that they now recognize that there are certain talents out there that are so beloved by the audience that it is impossible to book them into the ground, right? I think they feel some guys are just bulletproof to our booking. And yes, Joe, I, I guess do believe Joe that. would be one of those guys. Yeah, and I wouldn't say that that is the case. I think that <laughs> that's not, he is not the character I would be beating like that. Yeah. Um, you know, Cassius Ono on Saturday night. You know, his role there in NXT is to be doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. To Like Matt Riddle is the star. Cassius Ono is not going to be the guy they're pushing. Like, I do understand that. I would say with this, I can see two reasons. Like, if Joe was hurt and he couldn't really do a full match, which I don't know, but let's throw out that idea. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have even put him in this match. And if you were going to do this, I just don't know if, if Joe would have been the one. Like, Joe is a heel that has to come back from this. I guess this. they were kind of forced because of the Brian thing, right? Brian moving out of that match. Is there no one else he could have put in this role? Like, God, if, if mm. Joe just skips his pay-per-view and, God, you throw in our truth in this match. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, our truth getting eliminated in 30 seconds doesn't hurt him one iota. Mm. And there could have been a silly story to get him onto this. Uh, I just feel mm. that Joe is like, he's your badass heel. And he shouldn't be the one that's losing in 30 seconds. But that type of thinking is... Uh, with yeah. their audience, I, I don't. I, I don't understand wrestling. Audience. I don't understand WWE anymore. I'm too. <laughs> I'm past it. I don't understand it. But thankfully, they had the real badass, Shane McMahon. Yeah, who was booked like Jesus Christ, going the, through the stations of the cross. The Greenwich submission machine. The Greenwich submission machine. He gets tagged in, and oh, where have you been, thou punches? He starts just laying into Dolph. God, I need to know what they look like in the video game. If they managed to mocap like Shane McMahon's punches, or if they had somebody try to act like Shane McMahon punching. It's a real testament to these punches that I see these punches, and it's like there's a chip embedded in my brain that when I see these punches, the chip activates, and I hear Dan Lavransky screaming in my head every time (laughs) I hear these punches. It's amazing the technology that these punches just are able to invoke. Um, Ziggler uh, then takes a uh, dropkick Shane right in the face. Uh, Ziggler then hit a zigzag, but Miz saved Shane. And Michael Cole calls Ziggler's dropkick the most beautiful in sports entertainment. Sure. Fuck Okada. McIntyre and Strowman keep arguing. They come to blows. Everyone gets involved. And it led to Mysterio hitting a 619 to Braun Strowman. This place exploded for the 619. Mm -hmm. They were so excited to see that damn spin. Oh, yeah. Shane clears the announcer's desk. Strowman is placed onto the table, and Shane just flies through the air and puts him through with the elbow. The audience, they're cheering for Miz. They're cheering that he's awesome. 
Balor went for this foot stomp and he slipped on the Miz and just fell on him. He like wiped out on top of the Miz's body. Yeah. Uh, Balor was in with Mysterio. It was very brief, but I enjoyed this. It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, you can tell whenever they kind of, you know, try to focus on certain pairings as big deals. And I felt like this got that type of uh, treatment. Yeah, this was like fun interaction. Mm-hmm. Lashley stopped a 619 attempt to McIntyre and then just ragdolled Mysterio around the ring. Hardy landed on the knees of Ziggler during a swanton attempt. And then Shane hobbles into the ring. He can barely stand way. But he's like, no. Team, I got to do this. He climbs to the top. And Shane, on one leg, he's in so much pain. And he just conjures up that last bit of gusto to propel with wings on him. He flies away. And he hits a coast-to-coast drop kick onto Shane. And then he... Puts Ziggler onto his back and he covers him. One, two, three. I'm just like, oh, I can't. It's no longer like, it's just a joke at this point. Oh, dude, you gotta just like, you gotta get into their thinking, okay? Shane McMahon is like the undertaker to them. He He is the undertaker. He only comes out once or twice a year. And when he does come out, he is completely vicious, okay? Everybody's scared of him. And he wins. Now, I will say, he would not get the types of reactions that he that he gets if his shit didn't look good like when he ha- punches aside okay when he has to do that elbow drop when he has to do the coast to coast both those things always land and they always look good right um and this audience like they've been successful in making the audience look at this guy like he's an undertaker uh, or or some type of mystical figure who only comes out once in a while to jump off of really high things so can you criticize that if they manage to Shane's over. This. I'm not going to deny that. Um, you know, there, there is like there, there's that T- to what end though? Like where, where are you going with Shane? Like that's, that's my question. Not at WrestleMania. If this guy's turning heel, this was, this was a hell of a heel turn. To I set certainly, it up this like, guy was like walking through fire here. By the end of the, the, the match, I, I saw no like leaning towards that. Uh, I mean, we'll see how they treat it on SmackDown. But he lost. You can't even brag about holding the team together. Shane eliminates Ziggler. Renee, the Raw announcer, is converted. She says, well, that cements the legacy of best in the world. That's Or that that enforces the label. Is he a first-year candidate for the Hall of Fame? Renee's ballot, 100%. He's getting all the, all the slots. Shane has nothing left. He's done. Miz tags him, says... Give us another. I thought the Miz was hilarious. Miz, just like, come on, Shane. Miz is just like doing like no work. He's just like anytime somebody's in the corner, he's like, oh, coast to coast. Cool. Go jump. I loved that the subtle to me, maybe this was not the design story, but it's how I took it. That Shane, as beaten down as he was, the one thing he cannot give up is his ego. He's got an enormous ego. He's got to show off. And he climbs back up and he goes for another coast-to-coast dropkick. But this time, Braun catches him in midair with a clothesline, which prompts the call by Michael Cole, Shane O. Splat. And Strowman uh, proceeded to eliminate him. Yes. Oh, sorry. That was at the end. Oh, he did. Shane, Shane lived. No, he lived. Shane yeah. lived. It was Jeff Hardy he eliminated with a power slam. Then he eliminates Mysterio. Miz tries to run away from Strowman, and in running away, he ran into the barricade. 
He yeah. was just having a bad night on his feet. He's brought into the ring. He's eliminated by Strowman. So it's Strowman, Drew McIntyre, and Bobby Lashley against Shane McMahon. This visual was great. Strowman just lifts McMahon, hit him with a power slam. They didn't give Shane any kind of big fire spot. 24 minutes, 10 seconds. Strowman, McIntyre, and Lashley all win. Strowman gets his match with Lesnar. He gets his match with Corbin. And then Corbin attacks Strowman and leaves with McIntyre and Lashley to celebrate. And to turn Braun... Back to a baby face, kind of. Was he a heel before? I can't well, even against Shane, obviously. You know, he's a monster, and I think he elicited booze. But um, by the end of it, you wanted to see him beat Baron Corbin again. I thought this was a really good Survivor Series match. And, you know, for a long time, I feel like these types of matches have felt a little pointless. But, like, when it comes to the men, at least, like, they, these matches can be really good. I thought Rey Mysterio looked amazing in there. Um... Shane was pushed to be the big star of the team. And to what end, I guess, is, is the question. But if they wanted to make him feel like a big deal, they were successful in doing that. Uh, and Braun was booked to look very strong. I think this match comes down to whether you like, like the uh, how they're going with it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the execution is what it is. To me, it's more so the concept of what they're doing. And I just thought at the end of this... It was Shane that is the hands down, like toughest guy on SmackDown, and it's not Ray, but, and it's not Jeff Hardy, and it's a, damn not, it's damn sure not Samoa Joe. But think about what we talked about earlier. You know, the audience will negatively react to people that they feel are overpushed if they don't think that person is talented. They don't react that way to Shane. They like the fact that Shane is pushed as hard as he is. So it tells you that the audience likes Shane McMahon. They do. I just don't know what that means. Like what it means they want to see him in big matches. They want to see him in WrestleMania against your biggest stars, evidently. Well, these were our survivors. Are you excited for Corbin and Strowman by the no. end of this? No. That was God, the big no. match coming out of this. I think that's a raw match at best. That's gonna know? be TLC. I'm sure they'll do a gimmick match. And then what and then Brock where? Rumble? Rumble. So, yeah, I mean at this point, do you do you like after seeing tonight's match? I guess do you do you have any uh maybe further thoughts on Brock Lesnar's return to MMA? He was going pretty hard in that match. I mean, he did a full match. Yeah, he did a full match. It wasn't six minutes or anything like that. I mean, it's to me with Brock until that contract is signed and mm-hmm. it's officially announced and tickets go on sale. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent the Brock's fighting. I mean, we don't know what kind of offer. He got here to stick around. If it's ridiculous money, which it sounds like it is, mm. what's the incentive to do one fight? Yes, it's a one-night huge payday, but it's also 10 weeks of intense training. Of, I mean, he is in the drug testing pool. He's done that. So he's inconveniencing himself with, with that. But if anything, just to get a negotiation from the UFC. Just- yeah, but it is quite a commitment to, to go. It, like, if he wasn't in the testing pool, I guess that would eliminate the threat of you know doing ufc mm-hmm. but you know you have to really question like what is the incentive if you got a tremendous deal here it's extremely limited dates like from now until wrestlemania how much do you think you'd be called upon probably two matches at best mm-hmm. and a handful of appearances on tv yeah for an incredible amount of money versus mm-hmm. your life being consumed by training for daniel cormier a fight that you are going to be heavily a heavy underdog in i would believe mm-hmm. Charlie interviewed Seth Rollins. 
He admitted that this week his mind was elsewhere, but he did have to focus on Nakamura tonight. I'm like, oh, awesome. The Even the guy whose mind was divided, he was able to beat the SmackDown scrub. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he said, yeah, I had to focus on Nakamura or my head would be kicked off. And Charlie informed him that in four weeks, you're defending the Intercontinental title against Dean Ambrose at TLC. There's also a Red Cross video for uh, the California Fires. Yes, they did, uh, they the did air a PSA. Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair was next. And uh, do you like the, do you see Rollins and Ambrose just being a straight match? Do you see them putting some like bells and whistles on it? Uh, I, cause it's TLC. I think I could see them. I think it's a feud that, you know, is already hot enough that it kind of warrants it. Mm, you could delay it, but because they have these theme pay-per-views, I feel like it kind of works. Like if you're going to do a TLC match for any of the matches uh, that have uh, any of the programs right now, I feel like this would be one of them. I almost think this doesn't need it. It's that it's it's a big enough feud, but mm-hmm. I think given the show, it's almost like they're going to be mixed in with all these other weapons matches that they're going to need to be something. You're right. It doesn't need it. Maybe there'll be a stairs match. Yeah. Maybe it'll be a um, loser. The winner has to put the shield vest into a open canister of flames. Yeah. That's what I want. Maybe that'll be it. A flak jacket match. Flack. Flap jacket. Flap jacket. Flap jacket. That's what they call those? Uh, is that what it's called? Flag jacket? Flat, whatever. I don't know. Someone will correct us. Rousey and Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte came out uh, to booze. She was booed by some. Sure. I, I wasn't paying as close attention. And then there was a chant for Becky when the match began. And they start off and they're just grappling with one another. Charlotte's defending the arm bar. She runs her into the buckle and then tries for this. She had like a the leg tied for like an STF, but elbows Rousey in the face and she starts bleeding from the mouth. Legitimately. Or what I hope they're is. not taking from Monday the... Oh, it like could har- be, yeah, it oh. could be worked. Or it could be like a, a, could be a blood capsule, which I don't, I don't think they do that No, anymore. my fear like, is that hard way? they've got a thing for this. It's like, oh, we'll do hard way blood. And it's like, Can dude, you- if you're going to do blood, like... Just cut yourselves then. If, if you guys need to have blood, yeah. don't do it this way, where you're going to just injure people needlessly. Yeah. My thinking is that they probably, this was probably un- unintentional. I hope that it was. Um, Maybe it was. I'm just saying. I would, would, hate- you, would you elbow somebody in the jaw, though, to get this amount of blood? Or would you cut them, like try to elbow them in the forehead? Typically, you go for like, yeah, above the eyebrow. And I don't even know if I really trust Charlotte to be the one to do something like that. Nor was this a match that, well... I guess you could argue yeah, by the end you did want blood yeah, for this. Benefited. But anyway, um, I just wonder what Batista would think. The guy who got fined a hundred grand for a blade job in two thousand eight, what he thinks about blood Probably being used it. now. So he can afford that now. I guess so. Uh, Char- uh, Charlotte got placed into uh, Rousey. Introduced the Minoru Suzuki armbar here mm-hmm. on the rope. Rousey then climbs to the top rope but gets knocked down. Rousey pulled her back and. From the top turnbuckle, rolled Charlotte with an armbar, moved to a triangle, and Charlotte stands up and turns the armbar into a Boston Crab, and then going for the figure four, but could not apply it. She went for a moonsault off the top, right onto Rousey's feet, and then Rousey got speared almost out of her boots. This was a big spear. Rousey kicks out, great near fall. Charlotte applies the figure four, but Rousey turns it over, and both women roll down to the floor. And Rousey is just screaming at Charlotte. Charlotte attacks her with these big chops, and then Rousey does the unthinkable. She lifts her up, and I'm getting set to type. Standing reverse, (laughs) Kataguruma. But then, 
a light shone down from the ceiling way. I looked up, and I couldn't see anyone, but I heard Michael Cole with the immortal words, Rhonda calls that the Piper's Pit. I'm like, after all this time, we have a name, Piper's Pit. It's been how long? She debuted it in like, I think she first used that move in February. Hmm. It's been the whole year. Nine months. It's just been what a maneuver. Or Ronda Rousey using her judo expertise. I mean, it took a while to come up with this name. I think it's a, at least a good name. There's right? a there's a reason for it. I think it's a great homage. Piper's Pit. Yeah. Charlotte goes to the floor and she breaks the count and she's recovering from Piper's Pit. And R- Rousey chases after her. And this is when the fans start chanting, let's go, Charlotte. Yeah, they're chanting for Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And Charlotte grabs a kendo stick and nails Rousey with the kendo stick, causing the disqualification. Everyone hated this finish. Just the DQ finish. It's 14-11, but then the attack continues. And Charlotte is beating her down with the kendo stick. Um, You know what? It's almost like broken up with the match and the post-match. As a match... I thought these two killed it. I thought, I thought it, this yeah. was great. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I thought it was incredibly physical and to a level I didn't really expect. You know, I think I would have expected a match where, where um, yeah, I, I would expect a good maybe technical battle even. But, like, they ended up doing a great deal of submissions between the two of them. A, a number of this is gr- a very different Ronda Rousey match. Yeah, a number of great transitions. Like, the way it started off even was almost um, kind of unique to, 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 the, to other, compared to other Ronda matches. And that, like, she almost started this off very much like it's an MMA fight in the same fighting stance or even a judo match. With with like a grappling stance, a lot of kind of like stuttering, you know, back and forth, um, trying to get gain position, and then like it was a wonderful match that really showcased like Ronda's beautiful armbar transitions from multiple no, multiple places. But like with the amount of MMA influence that I think exists in pro wrestling right now, everybody's trying to like integrate some jujitsu into their offense. Ronda like is already beating everybody. Like she's she's better than Kyle O'Reilly. She's better than like you know. Any of these guys that Minoru Suzuki that like t- tries to do all this Ronda shit looks that good. Ronda Rousey, Minoru Suzuki, Spring Break Eight. I'd watch that in a heartbeat. Are you kidding me? But the match felt like a war. I think the blood's only added to it. At times, it felt erratic. It wasn't the cleanest, but it felt intense, and certainly it carried into the the post match. Yeah, I I didn't like the finish, but I think the idea was you have to continue this, I guess, right? Are you? That's what. I mean, the, the what, end of this, I don't what, know how you don't continue it. Of course, it. with this beatdown, like, Ronda has to be. But wait, they told me. They told me every single show. This is the only night of the year Ron SmackDown meet. I guess we'll I'm see. with you. I think they should be having some gimmick match at TLC. I don't know if I want to put Ronda in a TLC match, but I can see them wanting to do the first ever yeah. women's TLC match. I mean, they're getting they're doing Nia next, aren't they? But they well, could I do don't think they want. after this, this is the program. I know. I it's know. not Nia. Let's let's talk about okay, let's all, talk about after. Else. Uh I thought it was, you know, I could s- say that the reaction to the finish is a big groan, but I think what they gave you in the post match People yeah. left satisfied that you got something big out of this. I think in lieu of a clean finish, to get a big storyline uh, moment... I think that's where people, people excuse a yeah. finish where you're it's too like, scared to beat anyone. Like, when I'm, like, watching... Like, I watch Emp- The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, it's not the end of the, the conclusion. Luke doesn't, you know, win at the end. But, like, I guess that's a bad example. But what I mean is that, like, I'm satisfied with the lack of finish as long as I feel like my time wasn't wasted. And I don't feel like my time was wasted watching this. I had yeah. a good match, and I had 
Charlotte's heel turn in this, or what I think is Charlotte's heel turn. So Charlotte continues with the kendo stick attack. She brings a chair into the ring and is stopped by the referee. And this is where she leaves. But then she, and at first it's, it's very clear, like a, it's a heel reaction Charlotte is receiving, but she leaves and then she comes back. And now the audience wanted to see Rhonda just get killed. They were behind Charlotte. She hits a natural selection on top of the chair. They were behind Charlotte, I would say, like throughout this entire thing. Like they were, I felt, I felt, I thought it was more mixed at the beginning. Yeah. Like there were some cheers, but I thought it was over the top by the return. It kind of got a little awkward because like, I think in the audience's mind, both of these two women are opponents to Becky Lynch. That's the only person that, that they want to win. They see Charlotte as a long time, you know, rep, like she's the replacement now. Um, they don't buy her as a friend. And certainly they see Ronda as the opponent. So they kind of didn't want either to win. But then like as the match got going, I think there was that SmackDown favoritism and maybe something against Ronda more so, you know, being the prime opponent of Becky's that let, let this crowd completely gravitate themselves towards Charlotte. The audience starts chanting, yes. Charlotte attacks the referees. This is where this feels like a babyface turn. When she's attacking all the referees, again, like what kind of reaction do you think well, that's going to get? Again, it depends on who you she's ask. She's kicking right? ass. Yeah. She's running through everybody. But, Ronda did these as babyface spots, killing the referees. That is true, but I think that type of thing could still work for a heel, depending on who the heel is going up against. Then she puts a chair around Ronda Rousey's neck mm-hmm. and stomps it. Like, if Randy Orton was in the place of Charlotte, do you think Randy Orton would get cheered doing this stuff? Randy Orton's, like, a different kind of character. I guess it depends who. Like, you know, Daniel Bryan doing this, this would have been a babyface deal. Yeah, because he's already well-liked. Like, the audience is going to, like, decide who they like. Listen, as I said, and I don't know, I haven't asked about it, like, what the intent was here. But mm. I I could definitely see this being designed to be a heel turn for Charlotte only. But I could also see it being... Yeah, exactly. The but other way. <laughs> I think regardless, you have to come out of this and you got to adjust plans. Sure. So she stomps the chair. If I was going to quibble, I thought that was almost too much that Rhonda's character is like the most realistic they have on the show and doing like, we're going to snap a, her neck with a chair <laughs> is just like, it's too pro wrestling for me, which I think Rhonda is this great character that you don't view in the same light as everyone else and that's why she comes off so real um i would say that that was that was my only thing i I thought you could have achieved this without doing the 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 neck deal i think it looks devastating enough that like even like a non-wrestling fan could buy it you know well i think it looks too devastating that it's like this woman should be in a neck brace after maybe she is well i think she's kind of probably not so then they chant thank you charlotte for breaking (laughs) ronda's neck She's a bigger baby face now than she ever was. So she leaves. She feels like the second coming of Becky Lynch to this audience. Really, Becky is the big winner here. She's got opponents in Nia Jax, Ronda, and Charlotte. Dude, Uh, Charlotte too. You think? You think they'll go back to that? She's on SmackDown with Becky now. You have yeah, uh, but they're on the same side now. They hugged John. I think coming out of this, I guess you could align them together. Mm -hmm. I really don't like that as. The two of them together, but yeah. I guess you could. Yeah, if yeah. they do do that, I mean, I guess, uh, whatever, they could. Uh, but, I mean, God, at the end of tonight, you look at this women's division in the WWE, and it's all of a sudden become the hottest thing in the company over the past month, man. You have, yeah, between Ronda versus Becky, you have Charlotte versus Ronda now, which the rematch, I think, will be a hot match. And you have Nia versus Becky. You do Becky. that at TLC. 
because this build oh. this build like this was all weapons like this mm-hmm. builds to a weapons match right. next yeah. month that's so true yeah and um, i think you could do that um could. but the naya program is is there and they were hitting on that tonight part of me wonders if like this was the right timing to do this like this type of uh heel turn for charlotte because it almost distracts i think uh the focus of the audience from becky versus ronda which i feel like should be the one you should be the story you should be telling all the way now until april um but i of course there's a lot of time to fill in between you could do your charlotte feud but could you see potentially maybe this leading up towards wrestlemania and instead them sticking with ronda versus charlotte and this being the first chapter of that no i i think becky is i think they view her that she is the top star they have the other thing here is that if let's say they weren't expecting ronda to be turned here Mm -hmm. they're gonna have to fight that on monday i feel and like i think it's really early to be turning ronda and that's one thing that beyond becky becky is this superstar baby face Mm -hmm. but if ronda is actually turning as a result of this or the audience is going to turn her on their own like where are the rest of the baby faces in this division like it's i don't know if charlotte is really that beyond becky is what i'm saying Sorry, you mean who are the baby faces? Who are the other baby faces? Like, you still have Sasha. I know it sounds like a joke right now, but Sasha Banks is still, and Bailey are still two very capable wrestlers waiting. You have Asuka that's waiting to get pushed. You know, she's not on Raw. You have a lot of work to do with those three. Yeah, I don't think anyone has faith in them at the moment. Ember, Ember, though. Oh, yeah, they've done a number (laughs) on her way. But I'm saying the potential is there. And and in the end, what you're looking for from now until April is for Ronda to run through everybody. Or Becky. Becky or Ronda to run through. I'm talking about Ronda. Sorry, what were you talking about? Okay, who does Ronda have to run through? Like, if I'm telling the Ronda Rousey story on the way towards Becky Lynch at WrestleMania, she's running through the other horsewomen. She's killing Bailey. She's killing Sasha. She's killing Charlotte. That's a good story. All the way till Becky. Yeah, that's Becky a good story. Becky is the one that finally conquers her. And maybe, you know? maybe then Ronda coming out of this as a heel. I, I think that Becky going against a heel Ronda... That's a good dynamic to have. Yeah. I thought you could have done the two as baby faces you going could. into Mania, but but the audience is going to cheer Becky. We can tell that from now. Yeah, like, I just see, like Ronda to me, she had a lot left as a baby face, mm-hmm. but maybe you have a better story this way. And I didn't even think of that—the idea of her running through yeah. the horsewoman. But it's just the fact that Becky Lynch is that strong of a baby face. And yes, that, like this audience, like nobody could have predicted this. Yeah, you know. But now that they have this, they need to run with. It's it. a lot of interest. You're right. The women's division has a ton of interesting options, mm-hmm. and it's just where they put all the pieces. And I think you scrap the Raw SmackDown bullshit. Like the hot I would pro- love that. The hot programs are Ronda maybe SmackDown versus- comes out on Monday and says, "Dude, we're we're <laughs> we throwing the towel." We're done. At the very least for Ronda Rousey, because like those few matches, like the match I care the least about is Ronda versus Nia in this mix. Like, how are you going to do that? Ronda should come out on Monday and just demand like, ah, this is more of like a babyface promo, but state that like, yeah, we had a clean sweep, but I didn't win my match and I want to beat Charlotte. Sure. Uh, Whatever. Like that should be the match you go to. I just... I almost want I almost I almost want Nia protected until Becky gets that win over her, you know. Yeah, maybe Nia's just she's gonna hold on to this title match that she's owed, and when she opts to have it, or maybe it's a TV match. Maybe it's maybe because Nia's gonna be in the Rumble. Um, Starcade. Yeah, maybe it's a Starcade. So anyway, lots of I, I'm a very lot interested. of elements to play with. I'm very interested in the follow up to this program mm-hmm. on Monday because then I think we'll have a better sense of what. What was the idea coming out of this? Was this because Rhonda on her way to the back, like this was 
This was like MMA Ronda yeah. after a terrible loss. She is just giving the death stare to the audience. Some dude is yelling at her and I was I couldn't make out what it was. Mm-hmm. But I think he was just chanting about Becky being the man. And she just glares at him and says, you are not a man. And I can totally buy Ronda totally just saying that on her own. Jeez. Um, I think it's such a fitting character for her. But when she got to the top of the ramp and everyone's booing her and she has this look of disappointment. I mean, it's great fuel for a heel character. Mm, Like I killed myself for all of you people and you turned on me. What's great is that we saw this exact same character arc in her MMA career. She started off beloved completely. Everything like she'd win her matches in six minutes and all of a sudden she loses and the world turns on her and she turned on the world. She didn't do any media after that. She, she said fuck you to everybody and wanted to just like hide in her little corner. To to hit on that in pro wrestling and to try to convert that into a wrestling storyline, I think would be really interesting. So maybe we don't get a promo from her tomorrow. Yeah, she won't, she won't talk. Yeah, she just won't appear. That's how you turn her heel. Because she comes out, she'll get cheered. So anyway, I thought this was probably the most fascinating stuff mm-hmm. on the show, just because it's it'll be very interesting to see what the end result is here. And regardless of what their plan was, the audience may go a different way it may like if the idea was ronda's not turning here it might be too late it's maybe the audience now it's like man we're we're turning this i think as long as she's going to be tied to becky lynch the audience is going to see her in a negative light yeah but i think that they have the potential that ronda and becky that feels like the hottest Mm -hmm. thing that's the hottest match they have yeah uh between their two rosters at the moment that's austin rock uh, it is their their version of it for for WrestleMania. Uh, we'll see if it can garner like that. Like if that is a match that can do business as well. That's going to be the next kind of test here between these two. Do you see more interest in the Marine Six as a result of this Becky Lynch? No, <laughs> no, probably not. Main event was Brock Lesnar, Daniel Bryan, and what a strange setup this was. Uh, after watching this match. Uh, was the heel turn necessary on Tuesday? I I question it, certainly. I do. Yeah. Like I thought maybe that's their out that AJ's getting involved. There was no AJ on this show at all. Mm. It's barely mentioned, other than he's going to get his receipt on Daniel Bryan, they mentioned. From what I uh, uh what I've heard, like people like Melter report, it's that Bryan wanted to turn heel. And that's the only explanation I guess I could have, you know, was him suggesting the heel turn. And maybe him not recognizing that this audience would love him as much as he he is. Listen, that's fine if you if you want to turn heel. First of all, it's I don't know. I, I think he's going to be a very good heel. I'm not so much worried about that. But I don't know why it was done this past week when you're going into this match. Unless you just didn't care. Yeah. Like this was a not. This was just like an exhibition style match that it didn't matter. Uh, but this guy was 100% the babyface. It was. Built as a babyface match for him. Brian runs at Lesnar, drop kicking the knee when the bell rang, and Lesnar just gets a hold of Brian. And then he lifted him up for this released German. Brian came down way I fucking gasped out loud. Not just you, the entire arena. This dude. was like the most frightening thing on the show. This this suplex onto his neck. The beginning of this match was really interesting because you can clearly see it's like Brian trying to work this new heel persona. He's wearing black trunks. He's not doing yes, yes, yes. And he starts off the match delaying it as a cocky heel, just like doing your traditional heel thing. But as soon as this German suplex hit, like none of that mattered. We were all just concerned for this man. 
for a company that has demanded as part of his return is that he would have to go through testing after every match. I don't know how in good conscience you allow this to happen. I'm like sure you're not like... taking these Germans from the sky. I think I... You guys can do your overhead suplexes. You can do belly to bellies. You're not taking Germans on your neck. I think a camera on like um, Dr. Chris Amon backstage for this match would have been uh, really interesting to see. Yeah, I just thought this was really reckless. Well, come on, man. It's a Brock match. Like this was to be expected, wasn't it? Did you need it to be a German though? Right on the neck? Because they switched them and there wasn't any less of a reaction yeah. to them. Um, that is true, but, but there I, are ways like but, this is pro wrestling. This is not uh, but MMA. I, but I could also see Daniel Bryan being the type of guy to say, "Hit me with your Germans. I want to do." Yeah, but that's the not spots. like that's. You need to be protecting these guys from themselves. Like that's what you sure. have agents for. That's what you have a company that is extremely aggressive when it mm-hmm. comes to protecting performers. And I just this really took me out of the match at the beginning, like that. That first suplex. I the mean, first one was the worst. The the shift in the in the in the arena completely changed. It wasn't even like booze. It was silence, and the announcers picked up on that. They yep. said it was a stunned silence because I, we were just kind of like, this was a man in Brock Lesnar who I think has been known in the past to hurt his his actual opponents, and this is Daniel Bryan, a man we were just gifted back months ago from you know career ending neck injury, and I think everybody was Lesnar like, was going to UPS him back. <laughs> And I think like everybody was just like sitting on the edge of their seat, hoping not to see an accident. Lesnar drags him into the ring, tries to start a suplex city chant. <laughs> he did it. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's seeing just him try. Lesnar doing anything pro wrestling is just amusing. But it was interesting because like he could almost like sense the shock in the audience, and he's almost like goading them, like, "Hey, why aren't you chanting suplex city now?" Yeah, it was like Nick Jackson at Ring of Honor last week. Remember? He's like, "Come on, guys." He was yes, like trying to yes, get it because yes. it was too quiet. I guess kind of like that. Lesnar then moved to the belly to bellies. He's just killing him. The audience starts chanting same old shit. This was going on forever. The audience chanting same old shit, I felt like was their way of trying to save Brian. Like it was their way of begging for mercy. Like, oh, we're not impressed. Like you don't have to do this anymore, I think guys. most people thought this was just going to end. Just flat, yeah, all sure. one-sided for Lesnar. And... I mean, it was a very gutsy formula of a match to do because yeah. what would you say? It was like seven, eight minutes of Brian just being massacred. Mm-hmm. So when Brian's on his back and he kicks Lesnar in the head, it was like this audience was like, oh my God, he's alive. Mm-hmm. And that's when you realized, okay, like he is going to get a comeback. Yes. They're not booking the stupidest match of all time. Lesnar goes for an F5, but I mean, the referee was literally like just ready to take the shot and he's F5 into the referee. Brian lands on his feet, low blows Lesnar to a huge reaction and hits the running knee for this awesome near fall. This place went nuts and they had this crowd from that moment on for the rest. Yeah. And from this point on, like Brian was the clear baby face, you know, despite the low blow, which in this scenario was used. It wasn't a a heel move. It was used as a baby face spot. I mean, I thought in a way it was actually kind of brilliant to tie, you know, his current heel persona in with this match where he is playing a baby face. He's a baby face who manages, who happens to use heel tactics. Brian attacks him with these big kicks, just lighting him up, stomped him. Lesnar gets sent to the floor and Brian went for a Pescado, but gets caught. Shoves Lesnar into the post, hits a pair of flying knees off the apron, goes for a suicide dive that was caught, and Lesnar ran him into the post. But then Lesnar misses Brian with the steel steps, and the steps 
bounce off the post and land on top of Lesnar. Brian is attacking the knee, wraps it around the post, and he gets the yes lock applied. Lesnar is able to break Brian's grip, but Brian nails him with cross fists cross faces, reapplies the grip, and then moves to a triangle, and Lesnar stands up, turns it into the F5, and he pins Brian. 18 minutes, 44 seconds. I thought this was a great match. It turned like, into a great match. It, had me it was the, uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. And I, like, seeing the end result, like, if this was a match that just ended, I would, I like, before Brian had his comeback, I would... Be like, wow, you just made me feel uncomfortable for nothing. But they made you feel uncomfortable to set up the comeback, which I thought was incredibly satisfying from Brian. Yeah, he didn't win, but like coming out of this, like this was a war. This was a fight, you know, and I thought it was one of ended up being one of Brock's best matches. It ended up being one of Brian's best matches, especially since his comeback. I thought it was just so full of drama from both ends, you know, from feeling the, the shock of like seeing those German suplexes to feeling completely distraught that, oh, they're just going to completely drop Brian out to seeing that comeback. And then, you know, just a sudden finish. It lived up to my expectations, and I had very high expectations for this. It was it was a great match. I could have done without that German, the the two Germans at the beginning, and I think I would have enjoyed it just as much. But, it yeah, it turned into a really strong match for both guys. Mm-hmm. I think they both needed uh, big matches, especially Brian. I mean, yeah. I don't know if Brian's had a match quite at this level mm-hmm. uh, since he's come back. This was his dream match, you know, and, and, and he had a hell of a dream match. I thought. And in the same arena that they were scheduled to have their match five years ago. Is that right? Four, year, uh, four years ago. What was your match of the night? My match of the night, I'm going to go with Ronda and Charlotte. Um, the finish good. takes it down, but yeah. I, I still thought that, you know, they over-delivered big time. I agree. Um, main event, I, I did get into, too, like uh, those... I thought the last two matches were really solid, and I thought the Cruiserweight match was number three. I enjoyed the five-on-five five as well. I, like I don't know if you much. did as much. The Cruiserweight match was really good. I think even Nakamura and... Uh, um, and that was a good match, Miles too. Good like too. Th- This was, overall, it was a good show. I've, yeah. I'm not a fan of the elimination matches to begin with. I, I didn't think they were all that great, but it was still a very good show. But my match of the night was the main event, just because mm-hmm. just it really sucked me in. So, uh, yeah, that was the Survivor Series. And I guess coming out of it now, we have Raw Monday night at the Staples Center. And then they they have a month until TLC, mm-hmm. which we will see how much they, they put into that and where all these stipulation matches uh, figure in. Should we head on over to the forum? Let's read some feedback. There's probably a bit of it. So let us go there. And tonight, on a scale of 1 to 20, I believe this is going to get a 15 way. A 15. I think it'll be lower than what people vote takeover, considering they voted takeover what sixteen, sixteen and change. I think this will get yeah. yeah I'm guess right. I'm going with fifteen. I'm going with fourteen actually. Fourteen. Yeah. Okay. They're gonna give us like a three, a ten point eight nine. Oh my god! Don't mess with this this crowd. What the hell? They oh, they have man. high standards, way. I mean, we're too easy on some of these shows. I love like seeing our like we we talk about the show and then we have like our own opinion and then like it's completely different. Awesome. I can understand that. I mean, there there was some bad stuff I thought on this show, it's, especially if you like booking wise. There were definitely some, sure. some questionable decisions. Let's hear why. Alexander in Norway. I actually enjoyed a lot of the matches, even if I don't understand some of the positioning. And seriously, how hard is it to incorporate your team's colors into your normal gear instead of the geek shirts? Can you believe this is the first and only time Ronda has ever gotten brutalized? Heel Charlotte is good Charlotte, though. Good Charlotte. Uh-oh. Oh, man. Uh, or are they doing this to make her cool like Becky, perhaps for the mania spot? 
See, like everybody's questioning now, you know, all of your heel turns, whether or not they're legitimately heel turns. I completely agree with you, Alexander, about the shirts. I think it just like strips everybody of their individuality, unfortunately. We got Adam Adam who says, Alrighty, um, I think this pay-per-view shows WWE's biggest problem. They can't make a good babyface or don't know what to do with them. So instead, to get people cheered, they try to get mega heat. People hate it, Naya. Is this one going to add much more? Brian cooled down as a face, so let's add edge and development by turning him heel. Turn Charlotte heel because people will be pissed that Becky won't face Rousey. Where does this lead? What is the payoff for Becky if it seems like Charlotte and Ronda are getting a rematch? Maybe the injury is more serious than we thought and they don't want to risk it. All in all, this pay-per-view is pretty okay at best, but looking at the card, I guess I expected too much. Uh, John, he's asking if you have any updates on injuries. I imagine you probably wouldn't have had any time to look I don't. Into it, I, I haven't spoken to anyone since the no show. No problem. Uh, we will probably hear all, about all that tomorrow. All right. Not much to say about this one. There were some bright spots for sure, but I really just can't understand the way they book anything on the main roster. What I'm really posting about is to make sure you talk about the crowd after Ronda's match. Yeah, we've gone over that a lot. Let me go to the next one here. Chris from Pennsylvania. The last two matches saved what was looking like an uninspiring show. The two traditional Survivor Series matches did nothing for me. Rollins Nakamura finished strong, but the first two thirds of it was pretty slow. Murphy and Ali had by far the best match of the undercard. I thought Charlotte Rousey was awesome. Pace and urgency that both women wrestled with made for an intriguing match. It's remarkable how engaging a match can be without a three-minute rest spot in the middle. I thought for sure we were getting a Lesnar squash, but I was pleasantly surprised with how much offense Brian wound up getting. Overall, I give this show a 10 out of 20. Andrew from Cape Breton. I think you guys did the show shortly before leaving the law, but do you guys remember the 2009 draft? Tonight's show reminded me of that. Basically, the ECW brand was beaten into oblivion, and the only draft pick they won was Vladimir Kozlov. That was tonight, with the Yosu's win being as meaningless as getting Vladimir Kozlov. Raw just murdered SmackDown, and if I don't know any better, I would think they were canceling SmackDown altogether. However, tonight had some excellent matches in particular. The Cruiserweight title match, Ronda vs. Charlotte, and Brian vs. Lesnar. What I loved most about these matches was how different they were, yet all still excellent. One was a very great high spot match that won over a dead crowd. One was a brutal fight, and the other, other was a David vs. Goliath story. Because I liked those matches so much, I actually gave this show 15 out of 20. Alright, next up is Mark from Vaughn. Uh, they're obviously going somewhere with the clean sweep story for Team Raw. What would your best guess be as to what the direction is? Is it feeding a Shane heel turn? I don't know. How would any of that make sense, though, when you look back at the best in the world thing? You know? Like, what would Shane winning the best in the world tournament to SmackDown losing that match lead into a Shane McMahon heel turn? It doesn't really connect for me. I mean, if you want to turn Shane, he can put all the heat on Paige and fire her, I guess. But I don't see them doing that. I think they like Paige in that role, mm-hmm. and I don't think you'd remove her from it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't know, maybe unless Paige uh, maybe goes to become the GM of 205 Live. Yeah. I don't know. I um, don't know. I don't know what the great story is. WWE doesn't book uh, failure all that well. They just kind of, uh, I, I don't know if there's going to be a great story coming out of it. Hmm. Um but it should be some kind of a story. Like it's, there's, I don't think they just did it for no reason. Yeah. So. Okay. We got a Gerard who says, I thought it was a good show. One of the better main roster pay-per-views this year, but that's not a high bar to cross. All right. Huge props to Murphy and Ali. They got the crowd into a match that clearly most of the crowd wasn't familiar with. This was my match of the night. WWE is in a weird place where heels, 
excuse me, are getting a lot of face heat. Charlotte's beatdown on Ronda was a good decision on paper, I think, but but the crowd reaction was drawing for what they were trying to do. I wonder if any of this has to do with fans rebelling against WWE storylines decisions because of how poor those have been for the past few years now. Mm. Uh, I, I feel like all of this is stemming from Becky and how much they like Becky. I think that there's a lot of that to it. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't disagree. Okay, uh, okay, well, Gerard's last point says, In closing, I do have to wonder how Fox will feel that the show they paid big money for has mostly been portrayed as the B-show. This isn't the first time SmackDown has lost these brand versus brand shows. Given the rumors that Fox wants a more in-ring product, I wonder if those wins and losses may have an impact on how they feel. The, the show that Fox is getting is probably going to be dramatically different by the time we get there. I mean, we're a year away. Right. And in that year, I think next year, SmackDown's going to go 5 0, probably. Yeah. Like, I I don't think the brand split should be something that should last once you get into the, into the new television deals. Mm-hmm. I don't think it makes any sense. And I mean, you also look at, you know, you look at your big stars that, yes, Ronda Rousey is one of them. Um, who knows what Becky Lynch is like a year from now? She could be the hottest thing in the industry. She could be totally screwed up over the next three months, and she's in a role that everyone's just puzzled and and wondering, wow, they had lightning in a bottle, and they beat her at WrestleMania and never regained the same momentum. It's impossible to know. But getting back to the actual question, I think by next year, like this is not going to be... The SmackDown you see next year. And the rosters will be totally different. Right. All right. Let's go down to uh, Dan from Liverpool. I enjoyed this show much better than last year. The top two matches were excellent. I can't remember the last time a WWE match left me so wanting a rematch more than Charlotte and Ronda Rousey. Unbelievable fight and crazy angle that's surely going to draw big money. The main event was stellar. Brian excelling in his heel role, rolling back the years and perfectly recapturing his ROH persona. Brock brought his working boots too and made Brian look like a million bucks. Wish WWE could think of more creative ways of occupying Strowman's time in big matches than putting him through yet another announcer's table. Isn't this the third year in a row now? Raw taking a clean sweep felt odd at first, but I'm coming around to the idea. WWE typically books these brand warfare pay-per-views by have one side, winning the majority of the matches while the other wins the big Survivor Series elimination match, so both brands end up with bragging rights. With Raw winning every match on the main show, there might actually be consequences now, presumably the motivation for Shane's heel turn. Okay, we got Ari who says, Are we surprised about Lars Sullivan being called up, and do we see any other call-ups on either Raw or SmackDown? I don't think now is the time for call-ups. I think there's a real problem with all the talent you have on your roster that, I mean, like a Nikki Cross, for instance. I mean, you don't even know. Sanity, dude. Sanity. I mean, you bring up all these people and you don't even have time to establish them. And now we're just looking to add more without taking away from who's already there. You know what, though? The brand draft or the the whatever uh, trade draft, whatever. The shakeup. The shakeup. That's not a good time really either. Save for your top stars. You know, people get lost then too. Yeah. So I I do it like the end of spring. Going into the summer, you get a bunch of interesting additions. I would hope that they would have something, you know, an actual role for Lars Sullivan, an actual feud scheduled for Lars Sullivan, something that you could directly place him into to promote him as, as a big deal rather than just to push him up for the sake of pushing him up. It seems rather kind of pointless. It's like you you end up like Almas. 
Yeah, that's another guy. Who, uh, again, could have been in that Joe role, too, I think. To take the pin, like, right away? I mean, I'm just saying, like, if I'm picking between the two. Like, I just, I see a lot in Joe. Yeah. And I think he was, like, Dude, carrying that show during the summer. Everybody's good now, though. Like, I see something in everybody. <laughs> well, then maybe you shouldn't be beating guys in 30 seconds like that. <laughs> Nobody. Eh, okay. R-Truth. R-Truth. Can we agree on R-Truth? Yes, yes. I think we can. All right. Um, let's go here. From uh, Christian. Truthfully, this show was just weird. You could definitely tell they wanted to let people know that Raw was the flagship after tonight. Love some of the old school aggressive Brian stuff we got in the main event, and it was nice to have Brock in a match longer than five minutes. Overall, the wrestling tonight was good, but the booking was just strange. Gets a 14 out of 20 for me. After seeing the promo for Lars Sullivan getting called up, where do you see him fitting in best? Personally, I think SmackDown, the show is lacking big monster guys like him compared to Raw. I could see that. Or he could be an opponent for Braun. Uh, but that just like to me like now braun's got opponents yeah Yeah. and i think lars sullivan like his appeal is his size especially on on nxt where he really stands out and i think on like putting up against braun he's just another guy right i'd love to see brian have a match with this guy i think it'd be a really interesting interesting. match i think people and he could work with as a heel he can work with aj Mm -hmm. he can work with ray he can work with brian i want to see lars sullivan on 205 live i think that's where he would excel oh that'd be great yeah as the new commissioner sir why not a guy who could hold in his urine. Lars urine. Urine. What? Lars. <laughs> anyway. It's getting late. Let's do um, a couple more, okay? Yeah. Corey from Long Beach. Day two at the Staples Center wasn't nearly as fun as day one since WWE decided to sacrifice their entire SmackDown Live main event for the sake of Raw. Is it so hard to have Dean Cost set the match or Braun Cost Brock since he's already fulfilled his Team Raw duties? Raw's men's team is literally fighting with each other, but can still have three survivors. Do you know how much everyone would crap on those matches if we just did run-ins? Like, I'm not yeah, a big fan of just run-ins to get yourself out of a match. So I actually don't have a problem with Dean not getting involved, with yes. AJ not getting involved. Yeah, people would have hated those finishes. Seems like a lot of people are picking up on like the, the SmackDown losing all the matches as like a sticking point. And I don't know, part of me like thinks that you know, in all in our predictions, I'm sure in a lot of other people's predictions, we had it more of an even, you know, uh, final tally going into it, like they've done in previous years. This year, perhaps it, it's them wanting to shock all the all the people's predictions in order to 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 have this clean sweep. It could start off a story that Vince McMahon does an appearance, and this could be the start of the end of the brand split. You guys are Who running the show into the ground, Who feud knows? with Shane or something. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Uh, okay, uh, Naya had by far the most heat on the show. I love the end sequence with, of Rollins and Shinsuke, and the Charlotte beatdown plus the pre-show match was fun. Best part for me was sitting in front of two eight-year-old girls who reminded me what it's like to watch wrestling as a child. Personal highlights included them insulting Carmella for being eliminated, saying Nakamura couldn't win because he's too ugly, and refusing to root for Daniel Bryan because of his heel actions on Tuesday. Uh... Yes. Okay. So Corey, Corey appears to have actually been in there, um, been in attendance. So I didn't realize that until at the end here. All right. I'm going to uh, skip down here to Jesse from the six. I still don't have the network as part of my protest of the Saudi Arabia deal, but a couple of friends were nice enough to invite me over to watch tonight. What great friends. While I enjoyed most of the show, I ultimately just thought it was weird. Why did SmackDown win the pre-show match? And that didn't count. Shane sucks. The first half of the main event was bad, but the second half was very good. But I can't help but think of how much better it would be were Brian the ultimate babyface that he should and can be. 
And with the Charlotte turn, it's gotten ridiculous how many heel turns the WWE has had recently. Flair, Bryant, Jackson, Lashley in the past month alone. I just like with all these turns that we're not able to decipher anymore what a heel turn and a babyface turn is. It's gotten to that point, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah. It is strange. Where everybody's trying to like overthink, <laughs> I would say. Uh and I let's 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 cut it off there. It's a little bit later. Yeah. We're running on two hours almost oh, of this show, so uh, sorry if we couldn't get to your feedback. There was a lot of it tonight. A lot of people talking about the show. Yeah, very noteworthy show, very newsworthy show. I think it'll. I, I think there's a lot of interest in Raw for Monday of the the follow up to this, as opposed to just your rank and file pay per view. Mm-hmm. So I, I think overall, though, a good show. I do have to say, overall, I was entertained. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, before we go, I want to thank everybody who joined us live in the uh, Google Hangout as we record these. Uh, for those of you who are unaware. Uh, every time there's a WWE pay-per-view, we uh, record these live. And if you're a, a member of the Double Double Espresso or Ice Cap tiers of our Patreon at the Post Wrestling Cafe, postwrestlingcafe.com, uh, you'll get to see us record these live. Yeah, we do them after each show. We'll be here after TLC, immediately after. You can watch the show. Um, that's for, yeah, Double Double and above tiers. So Wayne and I will be back Monday night with Rewind to Raw. Tuesday night is Rewind to SmackDown, along with the Double Shot. So all of that is coming up. We'll put out our schedule on Monday for this week's shows. And you can go check that out, postwrestling.com, or you can subscribe, postwrestlingcafe.com. We've been speaking for a long time tonight, so we will say goodbye and speak with you Monday night.